on today's show, 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 show. It's about damn time. As we welcome singer, rapper, songwriter, and flautist Lizzo. for you today. I was waiting all weekend by the microphone, getting ready. I was hanging on every word. Mm -hmm. By the way, that beautiful vocal you're hearing behind me of Great American Nightmare Christmas Style is former American Idol contestant Cara Samantha on vocals, and she is good. Yeah, I was going to say, who is that? Cara Samantha. Thank you, Cara. Because, you know, it couldn't have been... Ronnie Spector. As long as we're in the Christmas spirit, uh, I thought maybe I'd follow it up on a, like a twofer situation with uh, this classic. of my Christmas angel, Robin Quivers. <laughs> so lovely. <laughs> it's impossible that someone could sing that badly. I like how you interpret everything. I just love how you put it all together. Uh, yes, it's in my uh, own voice, that's right. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, good morning, everybody. When how I are sing you? a song, it's like they wrote it for me. <laughs> Yeah, I thought they did. Uh, well, hey, everybody. I, uh, most guys spend the weekend, uh, you know, watching sports and stuff, but. Yeah, lots of sports on right now. There's the World Cup and football, basketball. All kind of shit. Me, yeah. I, uh, I was painting this weekend when I had a free moment and, uh, then I, uh, I would put on my Lizzo music and, uh, Boy, she is one talented woman. Lizzo will be our guest today. She just, man, the music and the talent there is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, her album, let me see. I pulled some tracks from Lizzo, but, um, her album, uh, Cause I Love You. Uh huh. What a, what a masterpiece. Really just incredible music and singing and, uh, arrangements. 
It's just phenomenal. She does it all. She raps, she sings, she plays. Yeah. But I kind of immerse myself in Lizzo music. I think my my favorite song of hers is an old when when Lizzo first got signed to Atlantic Records back in the day. I'm talking 2016. If I'm wrong, John, just tell me. But in 2016, she got signed to Atlantic Records. She was living in Minneapolis, I still think, at that point. And she put out a song called Worship that I think is so good. But I don't know that it's played a lot. I know Oprah used it on a Weight Watchers commercial, but the, um, the but that song is just fucking musically so good. Do you know this song at all, Lizzo Worship? No, I'm not really mm. completely familiar with Lizzo. I've listened to uh, some of her songs, but I'm not right. like well versed. WNBC, a little bit of Lizzo for you. I don't know if this was a big hit or not, but it should have been. Well, why don't you know that? Because <laughs> you know what? It is almost impossible to figure out the music industry now. Like, what is a hit? Like, yeah, I know they go by stream, streaming. But, uh, you know, in the old days, you knew what was a hit because they'd say, well, you sold a ton of records. And right. you knew, you knew, you knew what a, what a hit was. The music industry is so confusing, just like the radio industry. I, I went into this whole deep, dark hole this weekend thinking about if I had to start my career now, like if I just graduated college and was said, oh, I want to be on the radio. First of all, I don't even know if that's a thing anymore that people want to be on the radio um, because radio isn't what it used to be. When when I had this fantasy as a little kid of being on the radio, radio was this powerful medium to me where very few people got to be on the radio. You had a better chance of performing in the NFL than on radio. Uh, there were so few radio jobs, and it was so prestigious to be on a big radio station coming out of New York City that, uh, you know, it was a dream that few could realize. It was not it was not something for, you know, you had to have a specific voice, you had to have a specific delivery, then you had to, you know, a million things. And then you had to get ratings. And uh, But the path was clear to me. In other words, I knew, go work at a shithole radio station, learn how to be on the radio, then slowly, uh, if you could, get a job as a morning man where they'd let you have a little bit of personality, and then slowly, annoyingly, worm your way into the program director's <laughs> heart so that he'll give you even more airtime so you can perfect some sort of comedy on the radio. And that was the path. That was it. I knew what I needed to do. Today where everybody has a microphone in their basement or in their house and you're on the internet and I don't even know how you distinguish yourself. Is the radio a thing anymore? It's just to me, nothing because one of the things I thought of early on when I went into radio, wouldn't it be cool to go on the radio and be completely rebellious about the system? Like, you couldn't curse, you couldn't talk about sex, you couldn't talk about religion, couldn't talk about anything. You couldn't talk. But what if I could get on the radio and buck the system and be anti all that and not give a shit? 
Now there's no and system to buck. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what it is. I don't know the path I would follow. And the same with musicians now. I, I The pressure to be a musician now is way, way more intense and difficult than what it was years ago. There was a point in the 60s and 70s where record companies were signing anybody who could kind of plunk out anything on a guitar uh, because they wanted to get the, you know, catch the next best thing. And they were willing to spend money on a bunch of shitty music in order to find the next thing. But, uh, you know, to be on the radio back in those days, you know, you really had to want to be in the radio. You had to work overnight. You had to work weekends. You, you basically had to give up your personal life. And now radio is something you do from your bathroom. You know, you can you can be shitting and, and talking into a microphone at the same time. So I don't know what it is. I don't know how you distinguish yourself. I wouldn't even if some kid came to me that, hey, I want to be on the radio. What do you think I should do? I'd say I have no clue. I don't even know. You know, I, I wouldn't even want to address a, a groom of uh, young broadcasters. I used to do that. We used to um, we had a little program because I was a student at Boston University. I'd always host a few of their students to come and I would talk to them like I was some kind of fucking expert, which I guess I am because I, I managed to make a career. But I think my career is so weird. I don't even know how you put it into a category. But, you know, I'd give them a tour of the radio station. I'd show them what it's like to um, work the equipment, talk about sort of my philosophy, if there was one. Uh, introduce them to some people who did different things besides being on air. You know, it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I'd spend uh, I'd spend a couple hours with them. But I don't do it anymore because I feel like it's dishonest in a way. It's like, I don't, I'm, I wouldn't even know how to tell them what to do, whether they should go into radio or not. I don't know. So fucking weird. It's We're so not weird. even on radio. I mean, how do no. you tell people to go into radio? Exactly. Well, you're not we even left. On it. <laughs> yeah, we left. We got out of it fifteen years. Is it fifteen? Over fifteen years over ago, 15 we got out of it. Years now, yeah. Yeah, I saw some category this weekend. I was looking. Uh, Sirius XM, our company, is considered the number one podcast company. In other words, they don't even consider this radio. They were like, "Well, they're the number one podcasters." So in a weird way, I guess we're podcasters now. I didn't some, know that. I didn't well, feel it when it happened. I didn't. I, I wish they hadn't said it because somehow it feels less important now. But anyway, um, even uh, the reason I'm anxious to talk to Lizzo, especially, is because she's somebody who managed to break through in an environment in the music business right now where it's just so difficult and. Uh, and, and I think she's super talented and all of that. And, and even and to have a bit of a sustained career, because there's so many one hit wonders, you know, yep. so many people who just sort of show up, you go, oh, there's somebody. And then you never hear from them again. Lizzo's a fascinating woman. I don't want to get too into it because we're going to talk to her later. But, you know, she started rapping because she didn't she didn't have confidence as a singer. Hmm. And um Actually, that song I just played, Your Worship, was she says it's the first time she felt like she was a singer as mm. opposed to a rapper. Now, but how she could would she rap. miss that she was a singer? She sounds so good. I'll tell you how. She she was she was pretty introverted and rapping was the cool thing when she was a kid right. growing up. And so she somehow felt she'd be one of the cooler kids if she rapped. 
because that was the acceptable thing. And that's what I mean about the music business. If you're doing something for everybody else, you'll never be a success. If you're doing something that you love to do, you would be a success, perhaps. You know, you, anyway, we'll get into it later with Lizzo. But I just thought I'd mention that um, she will be here later for those of you who are fans. And I am one of them. So there you go. Um, I was about to tell you that they should rename football Brady, Brady Ball. Or Tom Brady, <laughs> because Tom Brady had um, the most incredible, you know, career. And I know he fucked up uh, yesterday. Yesterday was game. not a good day. Yes. No, he was bad. But the week before, I, I watched him uh, come from behind, like like you know, one of those insane Tom Brady moments. But yeah, now everyone's saying, well, he stayed one year too long in the NFL. He should have left last year. But, That's not you know, true. You know, know. it also depends on the team around you. He's not out there by himself. Yeah, well, they're blaming yesterday on him as far. Listen, when I say they, it's like guys I hear talking. Yeah, Uh, I don't know anything about it. I'm a complete ignoramus when it comes to it. I I just, you know, this week with this, I I barely had a weekend. Uh, I had to deal with my mom a lot. Really? I was she's over doing the, okay or she's not doing well? No, she's doing great. She actually is doing really well. But Oh, good. Um, you know, going there to visit her and uh, see what's doing. It takes up a lot of time because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I got to get in the car for a couple of thousand hours just to get to her. And then, and then I know there are various conversations and checking in with other people and aides and all that stuff. So it just seemed like a lot of that. And then I was really kind of focused on Lizzo and I hadn't painted anything in a long time. I hadn't drawn anything in a long time and I love doing that. So you need time for that. You need time for yourself. And um, so I, I don't know. It just seemed everything was like really busy. And then Christmas is here. And, you, you know, my wife takes care of 90 percent of the stuff, but 10 percent I got to take care of. I don't know. It just seems like a very busy time of year to get anything. I was feeling that like. Somehow, this time of year, I just know there's no moment, not a minute that's not taken up by something that has to be done before a certain date. Yeah. Yeah, I usually call you at least once over the weekend. I didn't have time. I didn't have time to talk to you either. Yeah, I figured as much, but... I usually check in with Robin to see if she's still alive because uh, she's always <laughs> alone. And I'm like, well, if I don't check in, no one will know she's laying there on the floor. Oh, rotting. my God. Uh, you're so, not the uh, only one who I have checking on me. So thank you. But who knows? I also don't have a problem with, you know, like when they make it sound like such a tragedy when somebody dies and they don't get found for weeks or days or months or some woman. I was just reading a headline. She didn't get found for three years. <laughs> Like, really? What a what? loser, huh? I mean, nobody <laughs> cared about her? Oh, that's so sad. How that's did so she terrible. get missed? Uh, you know, just like nobody thought of it for three years. Wow. See, that's what I mean. I don't want you not being found for three years. First of all, you have cats, a lot of them. How many you got now? Uh, I have six, just like you. That's, yeah, six. So I don't want them like eating you, you know, because you haven't fed them in three years. <laughs> Uh, like, I don't want to find your face eaten off and all that. So oh. that would be really, <laughs> really would upset weird. You. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so it was just like busy and 
I don't know. I just I just didn't seem like I had any time for myself. And then I get really aggravated. We were going to watch uh, some Yellowstone yesterday, my wife and myself, and we didn't even have time. Is the new season uh, streaming? You know what? It's a really weird thing. I T-vote it because if you go to the Paramount Plus app, which I have, yeah, there's no Yellowstone. I don't understand. Right. Why am I paying all that money if they don't have Yellowstone? I think they want you to watch it on regular TV, but then don't have an app. You know what I mean? And right. like I was on. What's on the app that I might want? Nothing. Yeah. And I'd rather watch it on the app because then there's no commercials to have to zap through. And right. But I think Paramount is trying to get it, get you both ways. They want you to be on their app, but they don't want to give you any new content. Howard, they don't it want is to, on the app, it, but it's no, a different it's not. app. It's, it's on Peacock. Well, well, fuck that. I have Peacock. How would I know that? It says, I looked it up on the internet. They go, it's on Paramount. And I go, I went to Paramount Plus. Those motherfuckers. God, I hate this stream. I hate it. I wish, I wish we could go back to the way things used to be. <laughs> Good Lord. TV is, has become too much work to find You can't shit. even find. You know what I wound up? I accidentally fell onto Sandman on Netflix. And I was like, oh, oh, that was a show I was watching. And I had completely lost. And yeah. so I you got can't to remember. watch that. Yeah. Howard, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. John, wh what is it on? Okay, you right. can watch the first four seasons of of Yellowstone on Peacock. The fifth right. season, you have to watch on Paramount Network or the Paramount Network app. That's where it is. Oh, my goodness. It is, the fifth something. season is not you on mean, Peacock. It's not on Paramount Plus? No. It's on the Paramount Network app. Which what is not a bunch Paramount of Plus. fucking cunts those Paramount people are. Who runs Paramount these days? You're a, you're a, you should be, um, uh, uh, ashamed of yourself. How many apps should I buy? You mean to tell me I got Paramount Plus and cunt. now I got to get Paramount Network? Fuck cunt. you, asshole cunt. cunt. Give me the name of the guy who runs that joint. Cunt. Yeah, because what is the purpose of that? Having a separate app? from paramount plus you know fuck them fuck them i mean how many apps does paramount want me to buy of their content you know every That's once like, in a while my fire tv says you don't have any more room because i got so many apps you know what that's like it's like if netflix or or, or that'd be like if hbo said here get hbo plus but if you want to see white lotus you got to go to the hbo network app. yeah i mean i'm calling bullshit I mean, come on. What a bunch of fucking bullshit. You got to check three bullshit. different places to see if you can see the show you want to see. Hmm. Unbelievable. Who do they think? You know, people don't have time for all this. Robin Dice Clay's. Hey, Andrew. Andrew oh. Dice Clay, everybody. How Hello. are you? Hey, good morning, everybody. What's going on? What's going on with you? What are you knocking on the door so early? I tell you what, Howard, I'm listening to you talking, right, about radio, nothing be the same anymore. And yeah. I tell you what, it's nothing's the same with women anymore either, you know? Right. What what are you, you what's your point? About? No, I'm telling you, you know, you know, these broads, they don't want to fuck you unless you tell them who you voted for, you know? <laughs> you know, it's like the thing, equality used to mean they licked both of my nuts 
equally. <laughs> oh, my. These chicks, so, right, it's all about them and their needs, you know? Half right. of these broads don't even got a gun. You know, I'm making out with them, right? I reach up the dress, and I'm holding on to a fucking tree trunk. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to you? You were in a bar, let's say, you met a girl and uh she didn't have any she didn't have a vagina. She and had that happens all the time. It's unbelievable. Wow. But you know I'm so the thing sorry. is uh, yeah. yeah, you know, they got this whole grooming situation, you know, they shaved their piss lips down. It used to be back in the day they had a fucking bush the size of Rockefeller tree. Right. Right, you know? right, right. Yeah, you're right. You know, things have changed. You're right, but yeah, I like that know, change. The other thing with yeah, yeah, the other thing with the fucking pronouns. You know, I mean, like yeah. uh, he, she, who, they. Uh, my pronouns are fucking blow and me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you always appreciated a blowjob, didn't you? It's a beautiful thing, and uh, and then a woman is a beautiful thing. You're right, but uh, the way you play the game has changed. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. I, I, uh, it's good to hear your voice. Yeah, you know, it's been a long time, Howard. I love you. I love all you guys over there. You know, I'm out in L.A. I don't get to see you guys as much. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know. I got to get out to L.A., but, you know, I'm still hiding with this pandemic. I'm the only one. I'm still hiding. I'm, everyone else is out and about. You got to get out. You got to start spraying your go out in the public. What are you doing? <laughs> jerking off in your basement? Yes. Gonna get I you did. Anywhere. I jerked off, I jerked off uh, this weekend. Sure. Yeah, in my basement. Yeah. I go right down there. It's like a jerk off lounge. It's crazy. Hey, Robin, how you doing, honey? I'm good. I'm good, Andrew. You always had a thing for Robin. You always did I like did, the rest I of did. us. I did. Yes. Oh, she's yes. fucking unbelievable. How about whipping out a tit for the old dice man <laughs> like old times, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Robin, you always nice were generous. That never happened. That never <laughs> I seem to remember you once whipped out a tit for, uh, <laughs> for dice. Yeah, she whipped out a tit. I showed her my ball bag, you know? <laughs> That was kind of you, yeah. I didn't think you... that was very equal. <laughs> <laughs> what about that ship pipe of yours, Robin? How's that holding up? Uh, listen, it's Robin. There, still there. Rob, when Robin loves, she yeah, loves deeply, God, and she was, she was, she was never afraid of anal uh, dice. She always enjoyed <laughs> okay, it. Okay, slower, slower. Let me get my pants down. <laughs> All right, thank you. Let's not get gross. All right, thanks, dice. Good to really, check in with you. Good yeah. to hear from hey, you. Hey, yeah, good. Anytime. And Just dice, love you guys. And, and, Dice, anytime you want to knock on the door, you knock on that door and you come visit us, okay? I'll be knocking. See you guys. So you are. Right. There he is. There's the Dice man says, Robin, wow. whip out a tit for old times. <laughs> oh, so here's the Bob Bakish is the CEO of Paramount Global, which runs Bakish. CBS, Paramount Plus, and Paramount Network. Well, I am not getting the Paramount Network. Uh, app. whatever the f app. Fuck you. Fuck you. I pay for Paramount Plus. I'm still wondering why. And now Kevin he's an opportunity. Can't even find his own show. That got, that's such a loony system. What are they doing? I sat down with my wife and I'm like, you know, big hero. I go, I, I have Yellowstone. Don't worry. I got Paramount Plus. You've always asked me why I get all these apps. Everything is at my fingertips. No commercials. Boom, boom, boom. I'm looking. No Yellowstone. And then, uh, then I have a conniption. And then I went to, I did go to Hulu. I couldn't find it there. And I'm searching all over. And I was like, Jesus Christ. What, uh, hi, John. What's up? 
Let me give you the rundown, Howard. Okay. If you want to watch old seasons of Yellowstone, the first four seasons, you that can watch I know. Peacock. You said that. Yeah. No, because they sold the rights to Peacock before realizing Yellowstone was going to be a hit. That's why. Okay. Okay. If you want to watch the new season, you need the Paramount Network app. If you want to watch the spinoffs, you got to watch no. those on Paramount Plus. No. Which actually I is pretty saw. good. The first one I saw good. 1883 was on Paramount Plus. Right. I don't give a fuck about 1883. They're not going to sucker me into that. I like Yellowstone. If I pay for the Paramount Plus, why can't they put, it's a Paramount Plus product. Why don't they put Yellowstone on there? Why? Because they want to milk you. Fuck them. And I pay well, for I Paramount. That, that 1893, is it, or whatever it is, is really 18, good. It was. 1883 is very good. And the next one is Harrison Ford, and I forgot who the female lead is. 19. Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. That's the next one. <laughs> I watch Yellowstone because of uh, they got an actress on there who plays Beth. Boy, is she sexy. Man. What? And she got those titties out in every outfit. I appreciate that. She'll she whip a titty up. out for you. <laughs> I was watching. Uh, she shows up for her titties. dad's inauguration. In a titty outfit. It was Jeez. so inappropriate. <laughs> um, but Paramount Plus I pay for under protest. And now to get a second one, they could forget it. Yes, Courtney, you're on the air in Pennsylvania. What's on your mind? Hey, what's up? I actually, you've said it all. I just wanted to second what you experienced in terms of trying to find Yellowstone. And I, I can't imagine how much money they're making with those people that have it in their heads that it's you know, Paramount Plus. They download it, they pay for it, and then they have to find the other app. Let me tell you, yeah. uh, I got it, yeah. based on what John said, I got it all figured out now. Here's what happened. <laughs> this moron, who I guess who runs Paramount, fucked up and he sold off the rights to Hulu of Yellowstone. Now he's feeling, oh my God, I got hosed. I made a bad deal. So now he's going to ask me to pay for some other cockamamie Paramount Network uh, app. And they now put it on yeah. Paramount so that he could feel better about himself. Well, fuck you. You made a bad deal. It's not my problem. Exactly. Right. Uh, I yeah, thought yeah. my phone was hacked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All Thank right, you, Courtney. Yeah. See you. Bye. Howard, you know wow. Kelly, Kelly Riley, the one who plays Beth? Yeah. Uh, on the show? She's British. Sure. A lot of people don't know. I know. I, I'll tell you how I know now. that. Yeah. I knew that because uh, I watched the the 15-minute um, sort of season, get you in the mood thing. And they were interviewing her and she's like, hello, mate, what's happening? <laughs> and it's really amazing when I, I'm amazed when these Australian or British actors come over here and they master the American accent. They don't have to come over here to master it. They've heard so much American language with all of our movies you the the spectrum of our culture that spreads across the world that's why it's so easy for them they've been listening to americans speak english in movies and tv shows since they were born yeah that's a good point all right uh, on our phone is the head of paramount bob bakish go ahead bob uh, tell me about your paramount plus paramount network app tell me all about it Hey, good morning, Howard. You know, it's very simple how to sign up. I want to explain it to you right now. Can you take out a pad and a pencil? You're going to need the right. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. So first, you want you want to sign up for the essential Paramount Plus for 30 days. If you sign up for 30 days, it unlocks the Paramount Network. But you're going to need a special code 
which refreshes every 30 seconds. It's a VPN, Cody. You ready for it? I could give it to you right yeah, now. Yeah, please do. Yes, yes, please. All right, it's R, dollar sign, pound sign, two, H, 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 six H's. <laughs> uh, hold on, the, the code, the time. <laughs> All right, you thank you. I get the code. I'll give you a new All code. All right, everybody, thank you. Uh, Mike in New Jersey, what's on your mind, Mike? Howard, you are on my mind. I have been Thank away you. for 15 years, but uh, 15 years before that, I was the guy that called in and said that I could play the guitar with my uh, feet because I had no arms. I was a my baby, the whole nine yards. But yeah, I, I remember was, you. I remember you. You were pretty good at the guitar. Yeah, I remember you. <laughs> How are you? Show off. I remember not liking you because here's a guy who has no arms and he's playing guitar better than me. I was very upset with this guy. I, I said, you're not allowed to come over to Sirius XM with us. Uh, no, show he's off. been away for 15 yeah. years. Yeah. Don't you hate when you meet someone with no with arms and they're more talented than you and like you have every advantage? Um, it's just ridiculous. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. The floor is yours. I, I yes. just wanted to talk about... You were talking about how the music industry changed, and and I grew arms, so so it changed for me anyway. But you you uh, you're the reason why so many things. And I start listening to you again, and it brings me back to days when I couldn't get out of my car and I was late for work with all the, the fantastic content you had. But you have changed so many things. When you know, I, I don't. You're the last person to need smoke smoke blown up their butt. But I mean. You, what you did for gay rights with lesbian dialogue. I mean, it was amazing what, uh, listening to you then. And listening to you now is, is just, it's been incredible. The last week I got the app, and, and you guys are fantastic. Robin, I love you guys, and it just brings back so many good memories. But you changed Mike, so much. Uh, I'm, cl I'm um, curious. I want to do a little bit of um, uh, like a survey. Why, why 15 sure. years we uh we didn't have you listening to us why this past week what inspired you to come over to Sirius XM finally and be a part of our audience again I was a chief fuck for 15 years no the the uh you you're uh, you've just been uh out there more with the uh Springsteen um interview that's, and that's and that was Mike that's what I was expecting I said yeah, to the yeah. people here at Sirius XM, I have a, I said, my, my number one motive in putting uh, Bruce Springsteen on the HBO uh, uh, mm -hmm. service was to, because I love the interview so much and I love Bruce and I love the way he was on there that I was like, you know what, uh, I would just love more people to see it. But if I had a secondary motivation, I said, you know. I haven't been uh, doing a lot of TV appearances. I haven't really appeared outside of the Sirius XM wall. And it would be nice. I, I think it would remind some of our fans. I said this to them. I think it would remind some of our fans who didn't come over with us that, hey, we're still here and we're still doing stuff. And uh, so that's why I asked you that question. And I'm glad to hear that it worked. Good. Okay, Mike. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad you, you're back. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, Good. Okay. All the best. Nice to hear Thank you. Thank you. Good to hear you again. Um, yeah, you can see the Howard Stern interview of Bruce Springsteen now on HBO Max. Let's go to Trey. Trey in Florida. Hey, Trey, what up? Hey, now, Howard. Hey, now. Hey, hey now. Uh, so we're talking about radio and how, you know, what it's like to have someone start. Uh, I'm not starting because I've been climbing the ladder for 15 years now. I uh, just got my first program director position in Florida. 
And uh, I'm telling you what, man, it's a pain in the ass. And I, if, if someone asks me when they want to start in radio, I'm like, start, you know, 15 years ago. Now's not, now ain't it. Well, I agree but, with everything you're saying. I don't know. The radio industry is changing so much that uh, well, I don't technology have technology changed. And, you know, that's how everybody got a microphone in their home. Exactly. You know, We're I used to now. consider I would consider myself an expert in radio. The problem is that radio, like the record industry, everything has changed so much that nobody's an expert. Nobody understands how quickly things are changing and how do you, uh, uh, hey, uh, Trey, on another topic, what um, uh, what limbs are you missing? Arms, legs, what do you? <laughs> I, have, uh, I, was, I was going to say, I just wanted to say, I do have both of my arms, both of my yeah. legs, um, and, about half of, and about half a penis. So, um, yeah. well, half join a penis. the club. Right. Join the club, Trey. All right, there you go. Uh, Harrison is on in New Hampshire, Robin, your boyfriend, Harrison. Go ahead. Hey, now, Howard. Hey, good morning. Um, hey, now. Yeah, no, I'm... Uh, I'm 22 years old. I started uh, radio back when I was 14, was doing internships, found a love for it early on, and uh, worked my way up, you know, started up a street team, then, you know, here I am, program director, uh, like nine years later, and uh, I just got to say, anytime that I bring someone in the studio, give them a tour, uh, you know, whether it be friends, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of people in my circle, especially people around my age that still find it interesting. They still, you know, find it so cool that I'm on the radio or, you know, how it works, this and that. And uh, I, I still think there's an interest out there for it, especially with, you know, podcasts being huge now um, and everything. Well, the but, problem is, the problem is, Harrison, you know, there it's hard to get paid in radio. That's so the hard. problem. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Because these companies now have consolidated uh, the advertising dollars aren't what they used to be. You could buy a radio station now in New York City for so little money. Now, a couple of million bucks and you're in the radio. I mean, it used to be unobtainable. They were selling yeah. these radio stations for multiples of eight. By that, I mean eight times what the hell their billing was. So there yeah. used to be 80, 90 million dollars to buy a radio station in New York, Philadelphia, Los Angeles. Crazy yeah. amounts of money was only going up and up and now these investments are um they're tanking because nah, no one wants to buy these radio stations that's what i'm talking about yeah the money isn't there it's a it's a totally different business and i don't know how to tell people what to do in terms of radio yeah. that's the point all right harrison you go for it uh hey, he's a program harrison's been in radio since he's 14 that tells you something else too which my father Nine years later he's a program director there you go, uh, <laughs> which is a horrible job, by the way. Yeah, and I'm sure Harrison can tell you. It's a terrible <laughs> job. You're in charge of a bunch of degenerates who are disc jockeys. You're supposed to be able to pick music <laughs> that everybody likes. It's an impossible job. All right, Harrison, you good luck with that. Jesus Christ. Uh, let's go uh, take a couple more calls. People seem to be on fire this morning. They're hungering for conversation. Go ahead, Jack, in New York. Hey, Howard, good morning. Uh, I got two arms, two legs, so it's a good Monday. But I wanted to ask you a question. Show off. A couple months ago. Did... <laughs> yeah, sure. I got uh, a couple months ago, Bob Kraft got married. Did you happen to go to that wedding? Oh, I was I not invited. Married. Yeah. Robert Kraft got married. I do know. I'll tell you, you know what? I, when I saw it in the news, I went, hmm, I'm surprised he didn't invite me. But the, the truth is, I have lost more friends 
and not, you know, because of the pandemic and because I'm not back out there, a lot of people have given up on me. They know I'm not going to show up. They don't even bother to ask. <laughs> no, we have friends who we were getting close to before the pandemic that we would yeah. see all the time. It was very casual. Now, no one, you know, now we're like, well, is everyone going to be tested? Is everyone? And people are like, I don't want to take those tests. It's ridiculous. What's with you? Get back out there. So, uh, and I heard from Robert Kraft a couple of times over the pandemic. Did you? But yeah, but I'm not like, uh, I don't end up going to anything. Like he said, do you want to go to dinner? I said, you know, gee, I'm not going out, but when I do, so people have given up on me, which by yeah. the way is okay. It's okay because I don't want to see anyone anyway. But, uh, aren't you a little nervous about that though? Haven't, aren't you a little, aren't you getting no. a little cooped up, a little crazy? I mean, you no. got a young wife. You can't consider, you got to take her out. You got to, I got to tell you, I had this, this, Jack, I had this discussion with my wife. I, cause she brings it up once in a while. She goes, don't you think we got to get back to doing something? And, you know, I missed this. I said, what do you really miss? What do you really miss? Let's, let's talk it out because, uh, I listen, I'm in the same boat. I'm locked up in the house. We go out for a walk every day, so we definitely get. Fresh I love air. when you say we go out for a walk every day. Is it the same route? Yes. Oh, we go out for a walk every day. <laughs> We're like hamsters on a wheel. <laughs> we go for a walk and we get nice fresh air. If it's not too cold, like today's today, I'm bummed out. It's anything below forty, it's I cold, get a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I got a place in Florida. She, you know, what am I going to tell you? She I, wants to be here for Christmas. I'll, I do what my wife everything says. Everything has its season, Howard. You're not there yet. <laughs> no, I guess I, not. I, I, I'll I, never hey, get Howard, there. I saw, but I'm I paying the bills about, on that place, and I'm re- what? What'd you say? I saw you about. I saw you about five or six years ago at Charlie Crab down uh, right on. Um, Oh shit! I'm drawing a blank. Right down in Palm Beach, and you were with Beth. We were. I, was with I don't go to like Charlie it. Crab. I don't know what you're talking it's about. Done. It's done. No, it's me. gone. They they ripped it down. It was right yeah, on. You didn't uh, see me. You didn't see me on, in Charlie Crab. I wasn't there. No, about five to, six years ago, I could bet my life on it. You I go to a lot of there. restaurants down there, but not not Charlie Crab. Hmm. I go to the that. Palm. I go to I go to a lot of places. Not Charlie Crab. <laughs> All right, nice. You did. You know what? <laughs> I think. I think I'll tell you now. what. I'll tell you what happened to you. I think what you happened? saw Raya Perlman, the famous actress, <laughs> or, uh, or, or 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 Fran <laughs> Lebowitz. I'm telling you, it well, wasn't me. Uh, they must have been sitting to be confused with you, yeah. and they must have been sitting no. on a phone book. <laughs> no, Fran Lebowitz is about as tall as me. I'm telling oh, stop you. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't invited to Robert Kraft's wedding, and probably because he knew I wouldn't show up, and he didn't want to waste his time. Didn't with want me, to waste an invitation. Those invitations cost money. I saw Tom that's Brady was there. Though. Yeah, that's why I called. That's why I was going to ask you what's really going on with him. He looks. He looks like he's even angry in these post. You know, these conference. You know, when they interview him, he just looks like he's pissed off and miserable. Well, you know, he is going through the divorce, and that could be going one of two ways. I get. I mean, I'm sure. I wonder. I wonder who Tom Brady's fucking. How could these tabloids? I read. I um, yeah, I read Daily Mail. And those guys are good at finding out shit. I mean, I've behaved most of my life because um, I don't want Daily Mail to find out anything about me. Look at that JD and that Rehoboth woman. They didn't even know they were on anybody's radar. Oh, I know Daily Mail got a hold of them, man. They're out of job. I don't see them on TV anymore, Amy Roback and uh, that other idiot. But, uh, 
They fell in love. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Brady's got to be fucking. There's no question. He got away. You know, he was fucking the same gal for how many years was he with Giselle? I don't know. Ten Probably at least. 15. Yeah. Ten, ten or fifteen. My guess is, you know, he's he's had some fantasies. He's he's Tom Brady after all, good looking, rich, and and a fucking phenomenal football player. And uh, he's but the man. But how do you so, have? You've got the most beautiful woman in the world with the most incredible body. Doesn't matter. It uh, he got tired. Right, he got tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just have to ask the question because you want to know I'm something. Always hearing these things. I'll tell you what. Here's what? and this is the truth. Your boy here has, you know, I'm not saying I have a big laundry list of women I've had sex with. Uh, I'm not saying that because it's not true. You know, I wasn't single for that long. But a lot of times you could be with the best looking woman in the world. And guess what? She doesn't want to blow you. She doesn't eat. You know, she doesn't fuck all that great. She's not a freak. And, you know, She's guys get hung up. up. <laughs> not mixing it up. Not, you know, and and listen, who knows? Maybe he's not a freak in the bedroom, and for whatever reason, they're not vibing. It's just getting complacent and dull, and you know what happens. That's uh, it? That's it. That's it. Or maybe one day he woke up and said, you know, this fucking accent is annoying as shit. I didn't hear it for a really long time. <laughs> that's what could happen. Plus, Perhaps, it's, it, the kids. He wants to go out. He wants his ass licked. She's not doing that. Right. She's not licking his asshole. And so now he's on. The, so now he's with some girl who's like, oh, my God, Tom Brady. That's what he wants. And he's getting his asshole licked. She's probably got oh. her tongue so far up his asshole. Forget about it. Because the guys at the end of the day want that. They want that. That's what they want. They want a freak. All right. Well, well listen, you guys have a great day. Taking you my too, call, Jack. Howard. All right, take care, pal. Take care, buddy. Well, how is he keeping that out of the tabloids, Howard? How is he hiding from the Daily Mail? How did they not know? (laughs) How do I not know who Tom Brady is fucking? (laughs) How do I not know? (laughs) I'll tell you, though, there are ways of keeping it quiet. If you want to keep something quiet, you can keep it quiet. You know, unless you're with some absolute fame monster who really you know there are women who will date you and release it to the press but uh you know if you're brady and you're smart about it you can meet you know you know you, 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 there's ways you, you only meet in your apartment it, it's a cool move you go like i know guys in show business who do this and and these guys aren't even that famous it's not like anyone's uh looking you know what i mean they go yeah man I'm uh, dating a new girl, but we haven't gone public, so we we only meet in my place. And I'm like, nice, <laughs> nice move. <laughs> that means you don't have to spend any money. <laughs> yeah, you bring in dinner, and you know, and there ain't much, there ain't much to do after dinner once you're locked up in the apartment. And and their whole rationale is like, I want to see if she's really into me. I want to know that before I go public, because once you go public, and I'm like, dude, you're not that famous that you know. People sitting yeah, around waiting to see you. It's going to be a big deal, day. even if she does break up with you. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Gilbert Gottfried was sick many years ago. He had an appendix, appendix attack. He didn't want to go to the hospital. He didn't want it out there that he was in the hospital. So he stayed at home and, for way too long. And I said, Gilbert, why didn't you call an ambulance? And he goes, 
ah, you know, I didn't want people to know. I go, then he went to the hospital because he had to. Nobody wrote it up that he was in the hospital. It was out there that he was in the hospital. Nobody cared. And then he goes, I can't believe no one's writing that I'm in the hospital. <laughs> See, it, it, it's the same thing. So famous the guys. The best a lot thing of, about it was he started calling. So you got to tell people. <laughs> he told me to go on the air and tell people he was in the hospital. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit. <sighs> Hold on a second. Oh, Dice is back. Hey, Dice, oh. good to talk to you again. What's up? And I just got to chime in here. You know, this fucking Tom Brady, right? This ex broad Giselle. She yeah. probably wasn't giving him the shit pipe, you know? He right. was craving right. a hot, nice, wet asshole to stick his prick in, and she wasn't delivering. You know, he's a man. Well, you know, listen, you're being a little gross, but you might be right. Maybe he wanted anal, wanted some of these crazy uh, dress-up-in-a-schoolgirl outfit. Listen, he wants a whore that's going to stick her tongue so far up his asshole that she's licking his pancreas. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you might be right. Who knows? Who knows? You know, I mean, it's very guy, it's hard to keep the romance alive, Dice. It is. The guy is so fucking drunk on pussy now that he's a free man. He can't even throw a fucking football no more. <laughs> you know? All right. But well, I, I hope but, I hope you didn't bet on the game. That's all I can say. Ah, fuck football. I'm too busy banging, you know, emptying my nut bag across some chick's yapper. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, boy, but you haven't you what, changed. You know, to all He's these such broads, a romantic. Like, yeah, yeah, you know me, Robin. Well, you got my flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, you listen, I'm telling you, this chick's like Giselle, right? If you right. want to keep your man, you got to gobble that knob, you know? Oh. Well, all right. If maybe you want to keep the quarterback in your life, you got to let him cram it up your tight end. Oh! <laughs> all right. All right, Dice. Thank you. He's cracking himself up with his great lines. Yeah. Ricardo, you're on the air in California. Everybody loves Ricardo. Hey, Howard. Hey, now. Whatever you're doing with COVID, keep doing it because... Hey I now. was very careful for a couple of years, and I went to a football game last week, and then I went to a Adam Sandler concert, and I went to my office, and now I got COVID, and I feel like shit. Just keep doing what you're doing, seriously. Yeah, were you uh, were you vaccinated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. triple vaxxed, very careful. You know, you can't even get into a hospital now because of the flu, that other cold virus, whatever that is, and the COVID. RSV. RSV. Oh, the flu is back. People forgot about the flu? Yep. The flu says, oh, don't forget about me. COVID conditions are worse across the country. Reported cases, hospitalizations up 25% in the past two weeks. And uh, you know what it is. Look, everybody said, fuck it. Just want to get back to my life. I just worry that the new vaccine is there's going to be some breakthrough that the the new vaccine will be useless. And, uh, you know, I I I love the people who I've heard from several people who've gotten it. And every time they say, and I'm vaxxed up the wazoo, I've got. Triple yeah. vax. I've got four of this. I got a. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> every one of them talks about how many vaccines they've gotten. Yeah. I like the and people you know what, who I go. I feel lucky. 
people go to me, uh, I watching. go, hey, do you yeah. mind taking a test if you come see me? And they go, no, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm triple vaxxed. And I go, yeah, but that doesn't mean you don't have COVID. I, I, like, no one, right. like, uh, people are so stupid. <laughs> All right, Ricardo, feel better, pal. I hear what you're saying. And don't worry, I'm staying locked up as long as my wife will let me. All right, take care. Good. That's Ricardo. Sounds like he's in bad shape. Uh, Mike in Minnesota. Go ahead, Mike. Hi, Howard. Can you hear me okay? I hear you great. Okay, I just got a question. I want to be really, really fast. And I'm sorry, I'm really nervous right now because I really, really have always wanted to talk to you. Um, I've had this crush on this girl. Well, not a crush. I've been in love with this girl since I was 16 years old. We've always kind of gone back and forth and stuff. I never had sex with her, but we kissed and we've, you know, kind of, you know, been around like that. Just, I've never like gotten that next, that next level with her. And this was back in the nineties. And now we're both in our forties. I'm 43. She's 42. Do you, I haven't talked to her in years, but I'm wondering what you would think if I were to ask her to, finally just be with me or do you think it's like if she didn't reach out to me should i just not even talk to her well uh, mike i'm certainly uh no great lover boy that's for sure um, any woman i've been with can tell you that but i do have feelings about this i think a lot of time in life we hold back for whatever reason like for example uh even you know, I'll give you an example. I was excited about when this Bruce Springsteen thing was about to go on HBO. I thought, oh, I would love to speak to Bruce Springsteen and tell him how excited I am. But I don't want to be a nudge. I don't want to bother Bruce Springsteen because who am I to bother Bruce Springsteen? And um, my psychiatrist said to me, Why don't you pick up the phone and call the guy. He might be just as excited as you that this is going to be on HBO. And I want to hear from you. And my psychiatrist was right. In other words, too often I do this thing where I'm like a constipated person. Oh, I better not call. I don't want to bother people. I don't want to be a nudge. I don't want to be an. And it's the worst feeling in the world because you really don't act on your emotions and you don't act on uh, something that would bring you even closer to somebody. Now, I've heard of this kind of thing. Uh, here's this guy, Mike. You, you say you've had a crush on this girl since high school. You're in your 40s. Uh, you're still in yeah. touch with this girl. When did you kiss her? In high school? Yeah, this is this is summer of 1997. I remember it was in August, right before like Mother Teresa died. That's how that's how close I am. Interesting. Why did you? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 we all remember what we were doing when Mother Teresa died. Uh, me, I was actually washing the feet of the poor, but uh, which was ironic because she was known to do that too. Um, Mike, what I'm saying is. In other words, why did it not, back in the day, progress further after you kissed her? What happened? Well, that's the thing. I don't even, really don't even know how to answer that because sometimes she, she'd come to, like get back into my life. She would start showing that she cares and stuff. But then it's like the simplest thing would just make her want to back away. I don't know what that is. I never knew what that was. Like, well, I remember Chris. Christmas 1999. She called me on Christmas Eve night. We hadn't talked in a long time. She's like, she's like, Merry Christmas. I did, you know, it's even her. She's like, I just want to know I got you a present. I'd like to come and see you tomorrow on Christmas Day. She never even freaking showed up. 
So I don't know what is up with this girl. And I, I was in a confusing situation like that where I liked a girl more than she liked me. Like my first, what I thought was a girlfriend. She wasn't even a girlfriend, but in my mind, she was a girlfriend. <laughs> she was, you were uh, in a relationship. She wasn't. She was not. And then once in a while, she'd come and visit me and I'd be confused. And I think maybe she wants to be my girlfriend. It, it was just awful, just awful. And then finally, I just said, you know, fuck this. I mean, I got to get off with it. Look, and here's I what I'm going to tell you, Mike. I'm not a loser, you know. So, well, you might be. We'll we'll, we'll determine that. <laughs> you, you know, I've never met a guy sure who says I'm out. a loser. Uh, <laughs> let us let us decide if you're a loser. You know what I mean? Okay. So, Mike, my advice would be this: It sounds to me like this girl likes the idea that you like her, but it doesn't sound right. like she's all that into you. Now, I'm just making a snap statement here. Maybe I'm projecting a little of my own situation. Right. But here's what I'm going to suggest you do, because you're a grown-ass man now. You're 43 <laughs> years old. Yeah. I is would she, say to her... Is she still free? Or is she I, I don't even up? know. I know she lives in the same city as me, though. I know that. All right. But so you're having know. fantasies about her. So here's what I would do. And... I understand why you're hyper, you know, you're hyper focused on this one woman, but maybe the ship has sailed, as Robin points out. You don't even know. But I pick up the phone and say, "Can I have a? Uh, are you single?" That's the first thing I'd ask. Right. And um, and then if she says yes, all right. Look, I would like to talk to you face to face. You know, provided she's still in Minnesota where you are, and uh, you don't even know. But uh, let's say she says, well, I'm in California. Oh, she is. Okay. Say, listen, I'd like to meet with you for lunch or something. How about it? All right. And then when I have the conversation with her, I'd say, look, you know how I feel about you. I've, I've maintained contact with you. I was interested in you romantically, but you seem to be in and out of this thing. Sometimes you seem into it. Sometimes you're not into it. I want to know once and for all, how are you feeling about me? And uh, I'm interested in you. I would like to be with you. I'm, I like you. I want to see where this could go. And let's hear her fucking answer. If she was on this phone right now, I'd handle the whole thing for you in five minutes. <laughs> We'd be completely done. And I would assess the situation. Now, I don't want you to get your bubble burst. But I got a feeling if this girl wanted you, she would have been in touch. Oh, yeah. But you're not going to be able to scratch this itch until you finally just say to her, and quit all the bullshit. Hey, I like you. I'm interested in you. I keep thinking about you. You interested in me or do you want to just be friends or, or, or nothing? I just want to know. I can't guess the rest of my life. I think you and I should be together, but you got to go along with the program, too. And then it's going to be over. Your torture is going to be over. Now, why can't you do that? I want to hear this from you. That's what I'm, you know. That's it. I wish she was on the phone right now. I do one of those radio (laughs) bits, you know, where you call the person. and I could say, listen, uh, Giselle or whatever her name is. uh, Mike likes you. What's your story? Why why you seem in and out of this? And you know what she might say? She'll go, you know what? I've been waiting for this guy to tell me how he feels for the last 30 years. And then you'll be like, oh, shit, have I wasted a lot of time. 
And when's the last time you saw her? Maybe you're pining away for a dream here. You know, a lot of people change in their 40s, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I saw, last time I saw her was probably like 10 years ago. Oh, you had a lot of checking to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you got, yeah, you, you better be, watch what but you're doing. She's really hot. Like, out of all my friends in high school, she was the hottest girl in our school. So I know I was Let me tell probably... you something. Wait till you get to be my age. It's unbelievable. There was a girl in my high school. I was a real, I was a real loser in my high school. I moved from <laughs> Roosevelt, Long Island to Rockville Center. No one wanted to know me. I didn't want to know anyone. I was as shy as shy could be. But there was this one girl, and I forgot about her, but she used to walk around. She wasn't the best-looking girl in the school, but she used to walk around in schoolgirl outfits. You know what I mean? The saddle shoes like the with little the little, skirt, little schoolgirl little outfit. Knee-highs and all that. And, and she, didn't have the, uh, the, she didn't have the best face, but it wasn't bad. But she had the long hair, big titties. This girl had a body that wouldn't quit. And I used to look her over, but I was a real douche. So I didn't say anything to anybody, but I used to say, man, I'd love to fuck her. But I was a loser. You know, I couldn't go up to anybody. I didn't know anybody. I didn't want to, I didn't want to risk my self-esteem. It was already low and, th you know. <laughs> you couldn't the have other taken day, another knock, or is that what you're saying? <laughs> but, but the other day, I went on a friend of mine from high school's Facebook page, and I saw he was friends with the girl. I see her name on there. Oh, so I I went to her Facebook page to see, you know, what the hell she looked like now. I forgot she's my age. Yeah. Let me tell you. She looked like Benji in a dress. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. Well, now, thank God we haven't mentioned any names. <laughs> no, I would oh, never God. mention the name. And boy, oh boy. But you know what? I still you looked date at her. Benji? <laughs> oh, my God. I would date Benji before I date her now. <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, you know, look, I'm sure people look at me and go, well, you know, you look a mess too, no. pal. Don't you know? But look, Stop here's it. the you thing. You look like Howard Stern. Yeah, there you go. Here's the <laughs> thing. Here's the thing. And you know this. Uh, I I hold myself in contempt because I back in the day, I should have been a winner and I should have been able to ask this girl out. So like you, Mike, you're 43 now. Cut the bullshit. Cut the games. Pick up the phone. Take her to lunch and ask her what the story is. And if she gives you this yeah. like, you know, I don't know. I'm confused about you, but we were never really boyfriend. Goodbye. OK, thank you. I'm glad I got my answer. That's it. And stop pining away for her. And move on. Thank you. That's Robert. it. I All right, pal. All right, Mike. Get to work. You got work to do. Sounds good. All right. What do you mean? It's going to be a disaster. Sometimes those anyway. things work out. You know, she might have been too shy. He was too shy. They never really said, and she couldn't figure it out, and he couldn't figure it out. And if they actually say something, maybe they'll get together. It could work. We'll see, Robin. I'm thinking about this girl I looked up on Facebook. I'm telling you, <laughs> she looked like Benji. But but she had smaller tits than Benji. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm trying to picture Benji in a schoolgirl outfit. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tim, go ahead real quick. Hey, listen, really quick. Hey, did you see Steve Martin and Mark Short on SNL this week? Here's what I saw. I didn't see Saturday Night Live, the show, on my phone, on my uh, Yahoo or Google feed. 
They had yep. Steve Martin and Martin Short's monologue that they did, which was, you know, those two guys are so fucking funny. They're such pros. They, they each Steve, wrote each other's eulogy. Take it easy. He's talking. Yeah. Sorry. sorry, <laughs> I'm, saying sorry. Something, I'm saying something important. It's going to it's going to be great if you just let him finish. <laughs> I was going to say Tim. Even wait, just finish. I, I, all I was going to say is I did see their monologue and I thought it was very creative and inventive and funny because you know, they did a eulogy for each other which was great. And uh, I and I saw uh what else did I see them do? You know, I I, I don't know, I saw a little bit of it. But yeah, go ahead. What do you want to say? I, all I want to say is that the Scrooge sketch where Martin Short was Scrooge and he was trying to flip coins down to kit orphans and he w- and he would flip down the coin and it would shoot into their eye sockets and blood would shoot all over the place and then he would be like, sorry, and he... Yeah, I saw that. I saw it, Tim. I saw that. Oh uh, you, you explaining God. it is boring. Yeah, it was very good. It was very good. All right. All right. Thanks, Tim. You know, you listen to these guys. You don't know. If you didn't see it, you don't know. Where was he going? And there's that's where he wanted to go. He had to interrupt you to go there. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, There was a sketch that Martin Short did where he flipped a coin into a, a, an orphan's eyes and they went blind. That's what he's okay. talking about. All it was funny. Right. Good Lord. All right. One more call from Jill. And we got to take a break. Lizzo's going to be in here in an hour. Yeah, go ahead, Jill. I, I'm just wondering with the SNL, did you catch um, Brandy Carlisle? That was the most important. She was amazing. Brandy Carlisle is second to none. That woman She's has more talent. Always amazing. Yes, oh, always amazing. Unbelievable, like an angel. I mean, it was such a good performance. Both of the performances were unbelievable. With the two, the Debal twins that she has with her, it was yes. so good. She's the best. You know, my God, that woman has but so much talent. But she's interesting to look at, too. You know, I watched that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, ceremony, which was great. But there was one moment, I forget who was performing, where they shot the audience and she was dancing with her wife. And I was like, oh, I wanted them to stay on them. I just enjoyed watching them. By the way, the wife, Brandy's wife, I had never seen her. She's kind of hot. Don't you think? Wonder what those two are up to. (laughs) And I think Brandy, in my fantasy anyway, Brandy is manhandling that woman, you know, (laughs) like flipping her around and doing shit to her. It's pretty wild what I've got going on. I don't know what the reality is, but uh, the wife is hot and she's kind of femme and Brandy's a little bit butch and it's kind of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she yeah, wears. She wears, yeah. she wears this suit. She kind of dresses a little bit like uh, Ellen DeGeneres, and then the yeah. the girlfriend is more no lipsticky. Yeah, Brandy, there's yeah. no titty showing for you. Yep. No, Brandy doesn't show her tits. I don't nope. think. No, I've never Not seen to her. To my titties. knowledge. No, she straps those fuckers down. But but uh, why is it so interesting to watch her dancing with her wife? Because it's because it's what I always told you. Lesbians are so interesting. <laughs> I love it. I could see Brandy really going to town on that woman. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I have no. I mean, I think so even no maybe doubt in your mind. <laughs> and again, I don't want things to get awkward because I love Brandy and I love when she yes. comes on the show. But I but I could see a strap on. 
I could oh, see it. Oh, stop it. I don't Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you talking I could see about? It. You know what I'm talking about. You know more than anyone what I'm talking about. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> but Brandy's wife, very attractive. Yeah, when they shot to her in the audience dancing with her wife, I was like, don't go back to the stage. I need to see this. Yeah, and the, yeah, it was way more interesting than what was going on in the stage. Who was performing when uh, they were dancing? I can't even remember. All right. I know was they were dancing, and I was like, I'm right here. Just to keep the camera here. See, that's like a, a video. It's like uh, a music video. Just get two girls to dance with each other. If I had a band, and I, I would just have girls dancing with each other. But, uh, yeah, exciting couple. And, uh, you know, they live on like a rural farm like situation. Like some kind like of estate kind of thing. I don't know. The way they describe it, it's like they could have like 50 homes there. I know. Yeah. They have like a commune and like all the band <laughs> members have homes. It's kind yeah. of sounds like fun. And I could see like there's probably a big lake, cold water lake and brandy keeps <laughs> her wife down to the lake and they get, they just <laughs> run around naked and jump in the water. And, and then, the, and then Brandy throws her up on a rock and goes down on her. <laughs> I can see it. I see it clearly. I see exactly what goes on. <laughs> and just like, like little, little intense licking, you know. Oh my. And the, and the, and the, and the oh my. <laughs> I watched the lesbian <laughs> porn this weekend. It was pretty good. This one gal was so good looking. You get better looking girls in lesbian porn than you do when they have to fuck a guy. Like fucking it's a guy. It's still that way. That has not changed. Yeah, it's weird. And uh, this video, the girl was tied up. A good looking girl. I mean, when I say good looking, they were both good looking. But they had her in some kind of contraption. Her legs are spread apart. I mean, she's totally vulnerable to her lesbian girlfriend. And the lesbian girlfriend had somebody. And she comes in wearing like a bathing suit, like a one piece. But the, 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 the girl in the bed has a outfit on where no, no top, just a bunch of straps and the vagina completely open. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to it. Pussy. Yeah. And, uh, oh my God, these two go at it. I didn't see the whole thing. It's funny. At the end of the video, it says, because I watched it in three sessions, you know, three separate oh, sessions. Okay, so you just stop it and can you pick up where you left off on these things? Uh, evidently, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I mean, and it was pretty good. And at the end, they go, if you want to see the whole video, you got to go to our pay site. And this, and I go, <laughs> uh. I beat you guys. I've come three times already to this video. <laughs> I don't need to see the whole thing. Don't That's worry right. about You've it. You've already you got more than mm. your money's worth. I came the first time just when the girl touched the other girl's titty. That was it. <laughs> but I'm sure Brandy and her wife are up to all kind of crazy stuff. Uh, I, I know it. Well, on they are phone, madly in love. So uh, on our phone is uh, Brandy Carlisle and her wife. Hey, this oh. is great. Hi, Brandy. Hi, hi. <laughs> For some reason, we have a bad connection. <laughs> Catherine? Boy. Catherine is Brandy's wife. Uh, Catherine? <laughs> Honey, 
Honey, it sounds like someone's getting murdered there. Right. I was going to say, is everything okay? I love love, Robin. That's the sound of love. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Jill. Later. Have a good one. Love you hard. You too. Bye. Love you. Love you very much. Julio, what up in Jersey? Hey I, I got to take a break. Hey, now. I got to take a break, but go ahead. Hey, Howard. So, listen, hey I'm long, it's first time, long time. I mean, so I have, I'm a 50-year-old, and I had can, I got diagnosed in June with cancer in my kidneys. They pulled out one of my kidneys, and then the other one had a tumor, two and a half centimeters, which they did a cryoablation. They, mm. froze, they froze the tissue, and that's supposed to kill the cancer cells. Anyways... Nice. I have a friend who is hardcore Republican, and he tells me that, because I don't have history of cancer in my family, he tells me that I got cancer because I got vaccinated. And I'm like, this uh, why would he say that? I mean, yeah, listen, I don't, I'm not a because doctor. Because there are people who believe that. No, I, I'm pretty sure. Listen, Julio, I, I, first of all, I'm sorry you're going through that. I mean, there's nothing worse than a cancer diagnosis. And Robin could tell you that. But, uh, and it sucks. And I remember they told me I had cancer on my kidney and I had to have surgery. And uh, fortunately, it turned out to be nothing. But uh, I know the fear that I had and the sadness and the, oh, shit. And I know what you're going through a little bit, a tenth of what you're going through. Robin knows 100%. So, look, the guy putting that thought in your head, it just really, he's a fucker. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's not good. I mean, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know why you got He's cancer. He's not a statistician. He's not anything who would know whether that was true or not. He's one of these guys who runs around going, I feel like the vaccine is giving people cancer. I feel. Right. They, they, they feel. They have a feeling. They they, they don't know. They, they're morons. It's a terrible thing he said. And I, I, ho- I hope But they also can... have people on podcasts and elsewhere saying yeah. that. Yeah. And they're, yeah, they're, none of them know a thing. None of them know a thing. They don't. Know I've heard that multiple times, and 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 I'll tell you what. That moment, and it, it, it keeps playing over and over in my mind because it really pissed me off. Like it, it got me really upset because my entire family got vaccinated. I have kids. I have grandkids. My entire family's vaccinated, and it just really, really pisses me off. But I, I, I keep playing that over and over. In well, my head. first of all, he's fucking with the, your head, and you know how he's doing it. All of us as human beings. We we don't want to think that something bad's going to happen to us. And when something bad happens to us, we look for control. And what do I mean by this? We look for control. We go, I got to find the reason. I know the reason. The vaccine gave me the cancer. Or I got it from standing too close to a bus. Or I, I, I when I grew up, I stood in the sun too much. Or I, we want control. We want a reason. We want to be able to label it so we can fight it. We want to know. It's the, the, the thing is, sometimes life just sucks. Yeah. And sometimes I shit happens. I myself crazy with that at the very beginning, trying to figure out what I did wrong to wind up with cancer. And after a while, you just, I, I've got cancer. I've got to deal with that. It doesn't matter how I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. A lot of what Howard said, it, it, it came back in my memories when I got diagnosed. I remember thinking, was it my deodorant? Was it right? That? Yeah, right. yeah. I, I remember you talking about deodorant, and it had 
you know, it had stuff in it that might give you cancer. And I kept thinking about that. And I, right. I was thinking, what is this? What is happening? Because my family, I don't have a history of cancer in my family. So I kept thinking about you, stuff you said. When Robin first got cancer, I was so fucking aggravated and angry and upset. Don't ask. And I blamed it. You know, I never told her this before. This is a new revelation. I blamed it on those fucking animals. I and know. I was you going, did tell I, me. It's those I said, damn coffee animals. Yeah, I sh she was shooting shit into her ass. Shouldn't be there. It was just, it was coffee and water, Howard. There was no, there was already uh, shit there. But, the, but they I didn't shoot shit up there. I, I, I needed a reason why you were ill. Yes, yes. Because Robin took reasonably good care of herself. You know, I'm like, reasonably? it's the mother. Yeah, oh. this, this fucking cancer is caused by coffee enemas and then she went and went with she had some guy rubbing rocks by the side of the road on her belly <laughs> the ayahuasca uh, yeah yeah blamed, the right. ayahuasca i blamed i went through the history of her existence blaming everything for this fucking grapefruit tumor inside of her and i said look get coffee it doesn't you just put that in a cup and you drink it. You don't put it in your asshole. She's she's the only one. Figured out. She's laying there on the floor with her I'm friend the Judith. Only one. I'm with the that only tube one. up her ass all weekend and calling it a party. Her ass has been traumatized more than the Ukraine. Stop it. The invasion. Well, well I'm all one, right. one kidney. Sh I'm one kidney short, and I gotta say, I thank you guys because through all this bullshit, through all the horror that this has caused. I mean, you know, like I said, I have kids, I have grandkids. I'm 50 years old, and I'm healthy. Besides all of that, right now I feel great. I had my surgeries. I go to the doctor on Thursday. They're gonna follow up just to see if the cell on Good. my left two and my left kidney is, is is dead and i'll tell you what i feel great and you guys keep me laughing all the time so thank you guys so much all right julio i wouldn't yeah. blame the vaccine and don't listen to these assholes looking at my hair in the mirror i look kind of cute nice and curly and big what do you think robin it's got a, a great curl on it today yeah it's like they're I all they're not too tight they're nice and loose and shiny yeah, you know what it is? I, why do I keep forgetting the name of this? There's a product I use, free commercial. I don't receive any money from them. In fact, the fucking thing is so expensive. They got four products, a shampoo, a uh, conditioner, and a, um, a, a two products you put in your hair if you have curly hair. And the reason, Mobin is it called? Mo, Mo, wait a second. I got it in my, my phone. <laughs> I'm going to give them a plug because I want to see them. You want him to stay, keep making this? The, yeah, my my motivation is selfish, but it's uh, oh here it is, Milbon, Milbon Repair Restorative Blowout Primer for coarse hair. Hmm. I got curly hair, and for years I would put in products. I didn't realize this; it had alcohol in it, and the alcohol would make it frizz up. Now this stuff has no alcohol, so my hair is shiny and curly. Yes. And holds the curl, but it's not frizzy. Right. You see? No. You don't look like Nancy, that little cartoon girl. <laughs> right. That's right. So I like it. But it's a very good product, and I use it. And don't forget, uh, I showered the night before our show, uh, and I put all my products in then. So this ah. is me rolling out of bed. And, well, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. This is how sexy and hot I look when I roll out of bed. So in the morning, you've got this right. mane. Yeah. 
if you were my girlfriend, you'd see when I woke up, you'd be like, oh, honey, you look so cute with your hair all curly like that. You would Shake like it. Shake your head. Shake your head. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah, to see yeah. it come to life. <laughs> By the way, I'm not being arrogant, but I am a four-time best hair in America winner. I've uh, accepted that award four <laughs> times, and I suspect I'll be winning it again. Uh, I think this so. Is a, yeah, yeah. Even though I'm a little bit salt and pepper, but mostly pepper. But why got, Why would that be a problem? Well, you know, people are uh, ageist. That's called ageist. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see that. Maybe uh, they want to go for a younger guy. By the way, it's been very awkward. I like this. You know, since Kanye West came out and said he loves Hitler, it's been very difficult for newscasters, especially in traditional, you know, TV news. They have to transition from story to story. And after you go, oh, Kanye West said today that he loves Hitler. It's hard to go to like the weather what do you or go something. To next, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, here? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, here's a little montage of some broadcasters trying to deal with this. Uh, I love Hitler, and then uh, into whatever story they have to go to. On next. an appearance on conspiracy theorist Alex Jones' show last week, Kanye said, "I quote: I like Hitler." We are looking at some warm weather here in the crossroads. We'll talk all about it straight ahead. He said, "Quote: I like Hitler." Happy Feet really has nothing on these real-life penguins in Kansas City. Gay said, quote, I like Hitler. Hmm, interesting. It's beginning to sound a lot like Christmas. Yay said, quote, I like Hitler, end quote. Your time now, 555. Christmas tree farms say this year's harvest looks good. And Yay said, quote, I like Hitler. With seasonal parties online, shopping, and holiday travel, it's tempting to splurge and blow your budget this time of year. Quote, I like Hitler. I love Nazis. The rapper's comments have destroyed many of his business dealings already in the past. All right, let's talk about this. Pop-up porta-potties right next to the Brooklyn Bridge. They were a hit with the locals and tourists, but the city wants them gone. I mean, this is such a struggle in New York, right? Where to go? So great. It's like uh, I think that because, was the best transition, the porta potty transition. <laughs> well, you know what it is? The showbiz news on a lot of these newscasts, you know, yeah. Kanye West being a performer, they 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 go to the showbiz news and that's right before the light stories, you know. So it's right. like in showbiz news, Kanye West says, I love Hitler. And with porta potty, I just want to you know the news. <laughs> but at least they were just talking about where do you go to shit after <laughs> <laughs> Kanye West shit the bed. Yeah, you know, Kanye the, West the says. hardest was uh, the and the Christmas tree, uh, the Christmas tree industry. Christmas said tree. There are a lot of Christmas trees today. And he said, "I like Hitler." Well, we don't like Hitler, but we love this recipe for pumpkin pie. <laughs> Let's go over to Connie. Connie. And he said, I like Hitler. Speaking of ovens, William Sonoma has a huge holiday sale right now. <laughs> Pretty great. Uh, Aaron Judge, again, I don't know anything about sports. I know he's a big deal. Yankee. He's the guy who hit the 62 home runs this season. Yeah. And he's the guy who bet on himself. Everyone's big on that. They go, uh, Aaron Judge bet on himself. The Yankees earlier in the year offered him a 200, what was it, 200, $213 million extension with the team. 
He turned it down, saying he'd bet on himself, and he went on to have a massive year with 62 home runs and was crowned American League MVP. So they gave him 360 million smackaroos over a nine-year contract. My question is, did he blow his load? Like what do you mean? Paying for what he did last year. Oh. <laughs> well, you know. For the preceding years. First of all, a lot of these guys get so rich, they're like, what the fuck am I working so hard right. for? You know? <laughs> this is how, he, how hard he works before the contract. Yeah. But, uh, and you know, let me say this as a warning. Um, I, I do love the story of talented people who bet on themselves against management and win. Don't get me wrong. But not everyone, you gotta have a, if you, if you're gonna bet on yourself, not everyone is Aaron Judge. I, I, I forget the name of that football player who bet on himself and then got injured and, uh, now he's got nothing, but, mm. um, but, but there's well, a lot yeah, of but guys. You always hear the stories like the Aaron Judge story, the story where the guy made it. There's a million stories where it didn't work out. Yeah. I was trying to come up with a list of people who like bet on themselves and fucked up. Like, like I was thinking that if these are for older people, McLean Stevenson of MASH, there was somebody in MASH that left. I think it was McLean Stevenson. And he left because he bet on himself, I guess. You know, I wanted more money. And they were like, fuck you. And they just brought in a guy to replace him. It was a yeah. military show. And they were like, well, we'll get a different military guy in there. And then. Yeah, it was an uh, ensemble. So it was not hard to bring someone else in. We always cite that show we watched when we were kids, but which they switched Darren's. I suspect it must have been over money, but whatever. The, they brought in a new Darren. Nobody gave a fuck. How about the guy Brian Dunkelman from American Idol? I don't, I don't need this show. I, I, I'm going to kind of go find my own thing. Uh, he bet yeah, on himself. I just heard, I just heard uh, there's a TV show that uh, Alex Rodriguez does where he takes mm -hmm. people and helps them rebuild their lives. And Brian Dunkelman was driving an Uber. I'm yeah. telling you, that was an actual thing. He was an Uber driver. Andrew Ridgely, remember him from Wham? He worked with George Michael. Yeah. He wanted to go be a race car driver. He was like, I'm going to leave Wham. Bad book. Listen, most people aren't that talented. That's the problem when you bet on yourself. Not everyone's not Aaron Judge. That's not going to be your good year. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so just be careful out there if you get into this <laughs> kind of situation. Uh, I thought this was sad. I'm not sentimental about buildings and stuff, but Caroline's, you know, Caroline's Comedy Club yes, on Broadway. I saw this too, yeah. After 41 years, Caroline's on Broadway will close forever on January 1st. Now, I, I admit I'm guilty. I, I, I haven't been to Caroline's since I was like 30. But um, <laughs> the club announced they would not be renewing their lease due to a rent hike. The final headliner will be David Tell. He's going to work there. Uh, the last comic to appear I in think Caroline's. It's New Year's, yeah. Like a New Year's show. Yeah. Caroline and her husband owned caroline's he was some rich guy who bought it and then they got divorced i believe i hope i have the story right and yes then I caroline so. yeah caroline got to keep the the place in the divorce and she ran it very successfully for all these years i remember i saw gilbert godfrey perform there i saw a couple of comics perform at caroline's it was a fun room in the sense that uh it was kind of classier and bigger and and I, I think I have it right that the food might have even been pretty good. I think I saw Dave Chappelle perform there, too. 
Uh huh. A hundred years ago, uh, did yeah. uh, Caroline's? Yeah, who was big? Yeah, it was a great was really place good. to go see comedy. And a bit this of a bigger weird. room, you like you said, because sometimes those comedy clubs are kind of cramped. The building's landlord is the Kuwaiti government. Oh. Mm. Maybe the Kuwaiti government, uh, well, they raised the rent. I, I can't wait to see what bullshit goes in there instead, like a five-story cheesecake factory or a second M&M <laughs> store. But, uh, but there you go. Well, she said you know? she'd continue to um, work on the brand to make it oh, yeah? you know, a synonymous with comedy as it is now. And that she would work to uh, continue to grow the New York Comedy Festival. Apparently, oh, Caroline said a lot that? to do with that. Yeah. I remember Caroline when she was young. Man, was she. I, is she, I wonder if she's still hot. Benji said. She's always been an attractive woman. But boy, I remember I wanted to have sexual intercourse with her when uh, she was younger. I don't know about now, but uh, not uh, yeah, that she so, wanted with me. You know, she still was that. So can't you remember that while you're humping her now? <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. She'd look at me and throw up and who knows. Benji, you would, Benji, you saw Caroline? Here, I just got to know. Benji says Caroline is still hot as hell and around 70 years old. Is that right? Where'd you see her? I well, at least a couple months before the pandemic, she's like, whenever Greg Charles, who worked at, works at Caroline's, yeah. comes in, I would just talk about how fucking hot Caroline is, and uh, yeah, she, I saw her so like two and a half or well, three years ago, and still incredible. Wow, good for her, Howard. I saw her uh, five months ago, and she looks okay. great. Benji's yeah. right. She looks really good. What's her deal? Oh. She got a boyfriend. She married. What's her? Uh, did she ever marry after her husband uh, and her got a divorce? Don't know. I've seen. Her. Know. I think she she did. She was listed with a boyfriend, but I don't think her husband helped her start the club. I think they bought it together. I think the husband bought the. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know what the fuck? I always that? heard it was after they that she yeah. started it. But okay, maybe and she. she uh, had what? What's what? the history Go of Caroline? Get out of here, will you? I can't talk to you. <laughs> I stop to hear him, and then he, then he stops. Then he stops, yeah. yeah. Get out of here. I, I want to be friendly with Benji. It's just hard. <laughs> Most people me. say that, <laughs> whether it's on the air or off the air. But I really do want to have a communication with him. I don't know what it is with us. Ah. All right. It's better in writing, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's a good man. But I can't talk to the guy. Eh, subways are still gross. People eating on the subway. So disgusting. People killing people on the subway platform. Mm. It's just ridiculous. I was, I was looking at a story. Some dude, I don't know what his story is, but he jumped down. He was threatening to touch the third rail. And you, you saw this? He was, t he yeah. wanted to commit suicide. So he was going to touch the third rail on the subway, which will kill you instantly. So he gets down there. He's got his shirt off. I got a picture of it. <laughs> New Yorkers being the way they are. And I kind of get it. They're like, dude, why do you have to kill yourself this way? We want to get home. The whole subway came to a that's stop. That's right. This will stop everything. And that's another <laughs> hour before I get home. 
And I know people think New Yorkers are heartless, but they're just practical. It's like, you know what? Like my father used to say to me, you want to kill yourself? Okay, go ahead. But don't jump out a window and kill me with you and land on me when I'm walking down the street. Like, you know, have some fucking respect. People are always doing this. You want to kill yourself? You're holding up an entire subway train of people who have worked. They're tired. They want to go home to their families. So they taped it. This is a, these are people yelling at the suicidal man to just do it or not. Just get off the fucking track. Make tracks, up your dude. mind. If you go waste time like that, bro, and do all that, that's not the right one. If you put, bro, because the fuck out of here, bro. If you suicide, touch that third track and get it over with. The fuck? Yeah, yeah, touch do it. it. If you really want to do this shit, touch it and get it over with. The fuck? Ah, because y'all, y'all want to baby him. I'm not, I don't get, I ain't here to stop for the suicide. I got to get home to my daughter. The fuck? Touch the, touch the middle of that third track, that third rail if you really want suicidal. Y'all not in there. Y'all not hoping either. Y'all not hoping either. I'm going to help him kill himself and get it over with. That's what he want to do. Guy says, I got to get home and see my kid. I don't don't have time for this. But I think he's a little bit not thought out either because if the guy does that, he's not getting home. Yeah, well, I hear you. You know, sometimes you're frustrated. (laughs) 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 But really, one troubled guy can ruin... Millions of people's lives, but oh, just, yeah. you know, on a commute. And I know people think it's not compassionate, but man, you know, after a day of work, you want to get home. You're hungry, you're tired, and maybe you got responsibilities with your kids. Uh, all kind of crazy shit going on down there. Now, look at this fucking thing. Here's a... uh Several New York's crazy. Several members of our staff use an app called Citizen, which basically monitors reports from uh, nearby police activity. Uh Uh-huh. There's some recent reports. Ninja suited man assaulted person with samurai sword at train station. (laughs) Oldie but a goodie, you know. That's a Uh lot of that. Report of man armed with wooden plank assaulting a horse. Poor horse. Jeez, where did he find the horse? I don't know. Report of man assaulted with coffee mug. Report of man weaponizing boiling water. Police are responding to an unverified report of a man who harmed a person with boiling hot water. Boy, that's fucking unbelievable. What a bunch of shit. Hey, you watching this uh, Harry and Meghan? I I tell you, for me. I got through 20 minutes. 20 minutes. I am through, I think, almost the first episode. But Really? Jesus you Christ. stayed with it? Uh, it's been painful. I don't, I wouldn't stay with it, but my wife wants to watch it. So, you know, we have shows we watch, but yeah, they come off like such whiny bitches. I got to tell you, man, I just don't get it. I don't know what this prince, I get Prince Harry being pissed off at the monarchy for his mother. They treated her like shit. She really was like just that Prince Charles was such a fucking cunt to Lady Diana. Married and that's her your ass. father, you know, like you got to yeah. deal with the father who really screwed over your mother and knew what he was doing the whole time he did it. It was there was nothing real about that relationship from beginning to end. And I feel bad for Prince Harry losing his mother and all that. So you got my empathy there. But Jesus Christ, when those two start whining about wah, 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 and they don't like me. And she, she wants to be beloved in this country. But man, oh man, you know, it's just very weird to watch two people 
who keep screaming, we wanted our privacy, we wanted the press to leave us alone. And then what is their special that they put out on Netflix? Showing you them where and their kids and their life it's like a, it's like the kardashians except boring you know what i mean but wait and a minute howard they this is it would be one thing if all the footage was from now yeah but they've even got footage of them taping themselves on their phones when they're going through all this yeah. so they were always recording themselves it's just weird it seems so hypocritical you want you want to be left alone but then you sell a special netflix we need to be understood we want to show you everything you so don't know the just, whole story it seems that i do yeah i mean i think i've heard the story when oprah interviewed you the first time <laughs> and now we're hearing yeah, it again somehow i this is all familiar to me so what their content is the reason they had to get out of england so they could talk about being in england and being prince harry and Meghan. yeah uh, I don't know. I found it troubling. But well, how much how of it I'll watch? How many times can you know. sell the same story? I, like, maybe they could make a cartoon out of it. <laughs> and now like, it's going to be a cartoon. <laughs> Harry and Meghan, the cartoon. They did the Oprah interview. They've done other interviews. The book is coming out sometime soon. This is now on Netflix. Yeah. I, it's the same story. I don't know. So, like, where do you go with this? Is this your career? Talking about how humiliated you were being part of, I don't know, living in a castle. It's hard to relate to. It's like, it looks pretty terrific to me. If it was me, I never had to worry about money and never had to Would worry I about work. Would I have heard anything anybody was mm. saying if I was living mm. in the lap of luxury? <laughs> I would, Turn I, off first the of TV. all, uh, that estate, when you see those palaces, and you see the grounds. I could live my whole life in that palace in the grounds. Because, you know, I live in my house. I haven't left in three years. It doesn't seem like prison to me, you know. And if and, and then you got butlers and cars and food and fuck you. Secretaries what, and yeah. publicists and lawyers. I mean, every need you might have right. has already been taken care of. Yeah. I don't know. They got a bunch more episodes coming out. I don't know how much more they can put out. There. Yeah, this was just the first three. And there's more. Yeah, and I guess they're off the royal payroll, so they got to make a buck. But suddenly... Uh, yeah, I but think you also what... notice, Howard, he expects to live at the same level. Because he doesn't yep. know any other way to live. Yeah, I don't see him washing dishes. But <laughs> here it is. You know, I think he's eventually... Not going to dig her. I'm telling you, she's a little bit. Uh, I don't uh, know. He's still saying it's a love story. I was like, OK, OK, I'm out. All right. Good. Everything's fine. Yeah. Trevor Noah's last. Yeah, speaking of a bad move, Trevor Noah's last daily show premiered on Thursday. I think he should have stayed with it. I Maybe stayed they threw there. I out. watched the, the last. um you know, where he's saying goodbye to everybody and, yeah. you know, thanking people. And the other thing, you know, we started the show this morning. You're talking about how radio has changed. So has TV. TV people now rely on people to post things from their show. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah. he thanked the people who post. So like you <laughs> used to get your TV audience, your audience from who watch television. Now you get your audience from people who see what other people have posted. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if he left or they kind of nudged him out because I guess uh, the ratings weren't that strong. But uh, I don't know which it is. I like the guy. I think he's a nice guy. We had him on the show, Trevor Noah. But I, I would have advised him to stay at the Daily Show. But okay, what do I know? It was too much. Uh, it was too much. Howard, too much. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I would have stayed there to the end. Uh, they, they would have had to take me out with a with a crane. <laughs> oh, good Mandalorian returns to Disney Plus for three seasons on March 1st. For season three, rather, not three seasons. Right. Um, and I didn't see the end of White Lotus yet, so don't nobody call in and tell me anything. I'm, I haven't started uh, watching White Lotus yet. Did they uh, put so that good. whole thing up at the, uh, or you yeah. had to wait? Uh, no, you, I'm glad I'm uh, waiting. You have to wait because it's on HBO. Yeah. And yeah. it's so good. It is so fucking good. Michael Imperioli, F. Murray Abraham. Um, what's her name? Jennifer Coolidge. It fucking steals the show again. She's so good. Man, it's awesome. Just so good. And um, what else? Oh, you know what I a... also watch? You're a Gil Guillermo del Toro. Is that his name? Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio? How is it? <laughs> Pinocchio. No, not Pinocchio. He's got oh. this thing that I think it's on Netflix called The Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah, that's about his home, right? He has a whole bunch of shit he uh, collects that's weird. Well, actually, this is an anthology show. And oh. it's different directors with different stories. And it's some of those episodes are so good. They are close to being Twilight Zone good. Oh, wow. Oh, I'll check and that so, out. Then. Yeah, it's real. I enjoyed it. And, you know, you said F. Murray Abraham. He's in one of them. It was really, really good. I have a love-hate relationship with Twilight Zone. It is one of the most brilliant shows ever. I quote it all the time. You know, I can, it's just, it was the most original show ever. Rod Serling was a genius, wrote most of the episodes, but that show freaked me out so much <laughs> that it, it, like, it scared the fuck out of me, especially the episode where the, 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 the mean dad, his daughter had a doll and the doll came back and killed the dad. Talking and that Tina. fucking talking Tina and my sister had a doll that looked just like talking Tina and that motherfucker. I locked her up in my um, I locked <laughs> her up in a doll case and I used to hide my cigars in there when I was really young, oh. like when I was like seven. Right. And that shit you had used cigars to at seven. Oh, my. Yeah, God. I had a nice collection. My father was a cigar <laughs> smoker and I would uh, like steal some of his cigars and go down in the basement and smoke. And uh, I always enjoyed a nice cigar after dinner. <laughs> I was like seven years old, eight years old, and I'd light up and smoke a cigar and relax. Listen, in my house, you needed something to relax. You, <laughs> you always needed something, <laughs> yeah. some substance. But I never had the opportunity to smoke a whole cigar at once and really enjoy it because, uh, you know, my parents would come downstairs or smell smoke. So I take a few puffs and I put it out and stick it in with that talking fucking <laughs> Tina doll from, from Twilight Zone. And I remember one year my parents came down years later. And they, uh, my sister goes, oh, well, my doll. And she opens it up and there's like five rotting cigars and it's stunk <laughs> in there. My parents looked at me and I go, I don't know how that got in there. <laughs> it wasn't me. Must have been one of these guys you bring in to work on the furnace. Oh, my goodness. And they're like, yes, you're right. Yeah. But Twilight Zone, I had a weird relate. You know, 
that weird episode where a uh, poor bastard just wanted to be left alone. So there's some sort of explosion, nuclear explosion. He's the only guy left on the planet. And all he wants to do is read books in the library. He goes to the library and his glasses break. I'm like, fuck, yeah. you're fucking with me. What is this? This is a horrible show. Uh, how about the one where the couple who love to gamble go to Vegas and the slot machine comes into their bedroom and kills them and pushes them out a window? <laughs> the slot machine killed them. And I'm like, what is this? One of my favorites was with Agnes Moorhead, where she thought her her house was infested with something. And there was some astronauts who were running around and she was this giant woman and, they, <laughs> and she was chasing them with a broom. And then, uh, you know, they realized, yeah, they've landed on a land of giants and they're just going to get stepped on. <laughs> that was called the As invaders. I yeah. remember that episode. How about the chick who gets the plastic surgery and then uh, she's gorgeous and then they, they reveal that everybody else is ugly and she wanted yeah. to be ugly. I mean, all that yeah. shit was brilliant. But man, I, I was like, oh, this show freaks me out. It scares me. So, I mean, it really scared the fuck out of me that I couldn't uh, deal with it. Hey, let me go get ready. Lizzo's um, going to be doing a couple of tunes. This woman is a, just an amazing talent. Just so talented. Her music, everything. Uh, you gotta, you gotta just hear her story, Lizzo. But, uh, I gotta take a break first and get set up for her. Um, yeah. And let me remind you this Wednesday, Holly Weird Squares. It's a big special. Uh, oh, and I gotta mention one other thing the guys put together. There's a video special up on the app. If you go to the Howard Stern section of the Sirius XM app, there's something so good in there. I love it. It's a Stern Show Storytellers episode uh, featuring David Letterman. It's it's this, um, I don't know how long the thing is, maybe a half hour, maybe shorter. But it's everyone who's ever appeared on the show talking about Letterman. It's Letterman appearing on the show. And it's all cut up in a way that's really just very creative and interesting. And you'll have a good time with it. Um, what can I tell you? It is really good. And the team worked really hard on it. And they came up with a real winner. So every once in a while, we put together these uh, storyteller episodes from our archives, and it is so good. So there it is up on the app. Check out the app, SiriusXM app. And, um, you know, Dave's in it, True Barrymore, Foo Fighters, Madonna, all the people who came on and talked about Dave. All right. I chose this song because I know Lizzo is a big Lauren Hill fan. And the reason she, well, one of the reasons... She went into showbiz and singing and music is because of Lauren Hill. So uh, without further ado, let's bring in Lizzo and her band. And wow, there you are. Hi. Hi, Lizzo. Lizzo, I feel. Yes, the lesbians, I know. Um, Lizzo, I feel like I've... um, uh, spent the entire weekend with you because I watched your documentary. I was listening. I paint, so I put on Lizzo music exclusively when I paint. So, I mean, I am full of Lizzo. I am like Lizzo. I am Lizzo herself. And you made happy trees to my music? Yeah, actually, I did. I was I was painting trees. You're absolutely right. See, I knew but, it. I was there, too. L- Lauren Hill was a big influence. I, 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 you know, I've read your influences, so I thought, like, Lauren Hill, though, what a voice, right? I mean, that's a woman you could either listen to and go, I'm never going into show business because she's so good <laughs> and I could never be yeah. better than her. Or you go, you know what, I want to be like her, you know, and you chose the latter. 
So it's yeah. kind of cool. You know, Very um, intimidating. <laughs> yeah. By the way, are you sorry right now that you agreed to do the show? I know you're in L.A. and it's like it's like I don't know what time it is there. Six a.m. You must have when you woke up this morning. What time did you wake up to do this uh, interview today? Uh, one a.m. I was in a one thirty glam. I was sorry then, but I'm glad now. I'm I'm up. I've been up for a long time now. I got a third wind. Yeah, I I'm amazed by, you know. Listen, I know how hard it was for you and how hard you worked to become an artist and to become well known, and the and and your whole story. But you know, once you hit, once you become Lizzo and the world knows you, it's like, oh my God, I want to seize the moment because I see you're going to be doing Saturday Night Live. You just did the Jingle Ball here in New York. Now you're back in L.A. and now you're doing the Howard Stern Show. But it's like, this is it. This is the moment, right? This is mm -hmm. when you have to do it. Mm -hmm. Are there times you feel like just crawling into a hole and saying, you know, I just don't I just need a year off. <laughs> um, not yet. Um, my whole life I've been this way. Like my mom, she would call me the energizer bunny because I would just like do everything. You know, even in school, I was like an overachiever until I would just like pass out from exhaustion so every time i tell my mom my schedule she's like something's never changed like you're built for this you've been training your whole life when covid happened and you know around covid when you when you put out the album because i love you and i think it had to be a, a soul-crushing moment because that's the time when I think COVID happened around then, and you're then the album's huge, and you're like on fire career wise. Mm -hmm. That's the time to go out and perform in front of live audiences and really make a killing mm -hmm. financially. Was it driving you insane that you couldn't capitalize on that success of that album and those songs? No, it wasn't. I had because my my album came out twenty nineteen. Right. Uh, April 2019 and that year from like January 2019 all the way to the Grammys January 2020 was like <laughs> so like I was extremely overstimulated there was a lot of things that I had to like cope with like and that I was having trouble coping with like becoming famous and you know a lot of things had changed for me so I felt like you know we were on our way to do our uh, the Asian leg of the tour we were going to do my first stadium with the Houston Rodeo we had all of these major things that just all had to stop and um I never looked at it like oh you know I missed out on opportunity I missed out on a check I was like everything that happens in my life happens for a reason and it is on time so I was like what do I need to learn right now what and I got to be like introspective finally for the first time in a long time and like cope with a lot of things I didn't have time to cope with yeah, I'm, I'm so curious about how you put together an album. That's why I like the new documentary. I got a little glimpse of that. I, I thought it was particularly interesting when you're sitting in a studio with uh, Mark Ronson. Uh, I just he was on for like a second, but I was thinking, yeah, God, being a songwriter and a performer is such a daunting thing because you go in a studio and there's a guy like Mark Ronson sitting there and everyone's waiting for you to open your mouth and start singing or to write a new song. And, you know. Like you could either be laughed out of the room 
because it's ridiculous or you could be you know what i mean it is yeah. it, what is that moment like when you walk in a studio and you got to kind of come up with something new and you start to freestyle or you start to come up with a song yeah is that mo is there a moment where you go all the insecurity seeps in and goes maybe this is shit maybe i'm a joke you know i don't even know if this is the right thing i think a huge part of being like a songwriter um or like a creator in, in the music space is kind of being like an art splainer is what i say you're like okay this isn't done yet this is dumb this may be a terrible idea but you know you always have to kind of like preface things and i think everybody's like well you can't be afraid to like mess up or sound dumb the funny thing about mark ronson is i met him years ago maybe when i was working on because i love you and i was so nervous because i'm such a huge fan and, and i got to the studio and i was playing him a bunch of stuff and back then i didn't really have much that was on because i love you i had a bunch of like rap freestyles and stuff like that and i was playing them songs and i was like this is gonna blow his mind and he like <laughs> he heard like two songs and then he like turned it down and he was like not my style <laughs> and i was wow. like ah and that was the end of me working with mark ronson for that album and then Years later, we met up again, and it was magic. So, you know, everything happens on the right time for me. I'm going to keep stressing it. Uh, you know, I was watching an interview with Rick Rubin, and he said, if I'm going to give advice to any young songwriter out there, you can only please yourself. If you try to go after an audience, if you try to please an audience, you will never be successful. you got to just do it for yourself. And even if that means getting a day job, so you can play this music. But as soon as you start trying to play to an audience, a specific audience, all you can do is what you hear and what you think is great. And if you stifle that and you start playing to what's popular for the day, you're going to blow it. You subscribe to that? Is that pretty much accurate? That's I subscribe to that as far as like music styles. Like, you know, everything in me wants to be cool and make like the, the trendy kind. And that's, and it's, it's honestly keeping it real. I studied music my whole life. It's easy for me to make. Like I could make it if I wanted to, like the cool shit. And, um, you know, I was like, I gotta be true to myself. Like, what do I want to make regardless if it's trendy or not? Like what's classic? What's going to stand the test of time? I will say there's an interesting intersection when you become like a super popular mainstream artist where this voice does get in your head. Like, what do your fans want to hear? You know, I think when I was first starting out, I was like writing all these songs about like what I was going through. And I was like, oh, I just need to put it out on paper and uh, my feelings and therapy. I feel better. And then now with this album, I did think a little bit. I, I, I was like when I wrote about damn time, for instance, I was like, OK, I need to write a song that's going to help people kind of step out of this dark period this pandemic period and like what can i do to help people i think i do start thinking in that way when i write music not right. like what do people want and you know fuck what i want but i do think about helping people when i write in the studio i thought it was particularly interesting in the documentary there's a couple of thoughts i had about the documentary first of all i was thinking there was some comment made by you about your critics will say you write music for white people. And this is coming from some um, uh, black uh, critic saying she writes. For, and I'm sitting there going, you just got to write the music that's in your head. You don't know who's going to respond to it. You don't know if black yeah. people, white people, you don't know who is going to. It's an unfair criticism. And it only goes towards stifling whatever you have inside of you. It's mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a debilitating criticism. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you get past that because it would anger me. It would be like, oh, you know, I have the I have the thinnest skin on the planet. I don't want to hear criticism. I won't even read it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's a hurtful thing to hear that. Right. Very hurtful. Um, only because, like, I am a black woman. and I feel like it really like challenges like my identity and who i am and diminishes that which i think is really hurtful and then on the other end it's like i'm making funky soulful feel-good music that is so similar to a lot of black music that was made for black people in the 70s and 80s and you know and then on top of that my message is literally for everybody in anybody and i don't i don't you know um try to gatekeep my message from people so all three of those things for me i'm just like you don't even get me at all and i feel like a lot of people truthfully don't get me which is why i wanted to do this documentary because i was like i feel like y'all don't understand me y'all don't know where i came from and now i don't want to answer no more questions about this shit i want to show the world like who i am you know I'm very hard to understand, I guess. No, you're not. I feel bad for you in the sense that, in a way, and I wonder if you feel this way, too. To be an artist in the 70s, you know, maybe the 60s or 70s, it was this mystery. All you did was put out your music and go on tour. Today, I see the difference because I've lived long enough. Today, now you got to share every fucking thing with your audience. <laughs> you got to be videoing everything. We got to see in the studio. You got to be totally 100% accessible. And mm-hmm. don't you fantasize what it must have been like to be an artist back then before all this social media? Because even the documentary, you got to sit there and share all of this behind the scenes stuff. You got to, you got to pull back the curtain. And in a way, I think it takes away some of the mystery of an artist. You know what I mean? Yeah, it absolutely does. I think I always say like I kind of was born in the right time to be an artist because I've always kind of used social media um, as a personal escape or like a way to connect with people. You know, I was using it early on to be like, nobody, I have no one to talk to. So I'm just going to talk to the Internet. And I felt like, you know, I'm such a digital age artist, Um, even on TikTok. Like I was on that for years and just having fun. You know what I'm saying? And now it feels like it's an industry standard. I see a lot of, you know, artists are like, my manager made me do this. So, you know, and I'm like, oh, wow, I feel a relief that I don't ever feel pressure to do social media. But yes, I do think there's a um people are way too entitled to artists they need their demand like tell me what you were doing and explain yourself and it's like excuse me i'm just making music enjoy the music you i don't owe you anything yeah it's a double-edged sword social media is great for getting your message out for you know telling people to come to a concert you don't have to even go to a radio station. It's like you got your own radio station in social yeah. media. You, you can reach all your fans. But the curse of it is you got to keep supplying them with personal information, access. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, they kind of strip you of your kingdom, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the access right? for me. Yeah. Yeah, access. Yeah. Easy access. By the way, speaking of funky music, man, I think this song, uh, the song you did, the back on coconut oil called worship it's one of my favorite songs you do i think it is i just love this song i was saying earlier this morning first of all you must have recorded i know this was your first album for atlantic right yeah it was my ep ep i mean Mm -hmm. yeah coconut oil this song i love it 
Now, when you write a song like this, this track, is that what you hear in your head first? Or did you have lyrics? Ooh, interesting. How did I write this? This was the first song that I wrote when I moved to L.A. Um, or when right. I first came to L.A. with Ricky Reed. And we were in the studio together and he was like, hey, do you know how to sing? And I was like, eh, a little bit. And <laughs> this came out of my mouth. Um, I feel like he pulled up this track first. And it was right. like really energetic. And I was really thinking about like Aretha Franklin and respect. And I was right. like, what's a new spin on that right now that I could sing like her and, and, and empower myself? And the rest is her story. When the guy uh, from Atlantic, whoever the guy is, when they hear this, are they like, this is a this is a smash. We know we have a hit here. Or what was the reaction when you played it for the record company? I think they were like, okay, make more. Because it was literally the first song I had ever written with, like, Atlantic. So they were like, and, okay, cool, do more. <laughs> and so you up until then have famously said, I, I hid behind rapping. I could rap, and I didn't have confidence that I was a good singer, which is mind-blowing mm -hmm. to me that you didn't know that. But okay, I don't understand that even. But you didn't have confidence in your singing. And you said, look, you know, I'm just going to be a rapper. And then when you opened up and did this, you said this was the song that liberated you. This is the one that said, hey, maybe I'm a singer, right? This was the mm -hmm. moment. Yep. yep. Wow. That was that, it. How do you not know you're a good singer? Is it because uh, you were a shy kid, uh, because your mom was a good singer? What, what, what was stifling you from hearing your own voice? You listen to them all, baby. I mean, I feel like... Even to this day, there's singers that, you know, we grow up listening to and it's like, that's singing. You know what I mean? Like Aretha, right. Beyonce, even for yep. me, like Jasmine Sullivan has like one of the greatest voices of all time. And like me, I kind of have more of a rock and roll. I, I mean, we're listening to worship, which is, you know, distributed on Atlantic Records and well produced. Play some of my old rock band songs. It's not going to have the same effect, honey. I really had to learn how to sing. And it's like, I've been me my whole life. So I'm still catching up to me. Y'all are meeting me when I've, you know, honed my craft. And you're like, what are you talking about? But, you know, for like 20 years before, I was like, me, 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 you know? And um, yeah. I really had to like break through that to find this voice. Like my whole life has been about finding my voice. And I'm still not there you are such an unusual artist i love the whole relationship <laughs> you have with your flute uh sasha uh yeah. you named your flute sasha i i just find this fascinating so um uh, the way i understand it you uh you know you you uh were born in detroit right you, that's where you had your first 10 years Mm -hmm. And you're in Detroit, and I don't know at what grade, I guess, was it sixth grade, you decide to join the high school band or the, the, the band? Yeah. And the grade, teacher yeah. decides to hand you the flute. The teacher mm -hmm. decided that you should become a flautist. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, most kids, I got handed the clarinet. And I was like, fuck this clarinet. It's not Classic. cool. I yeah. hated the clarinet so bad. I wanted to be, I want to play guitar or something, you know? Yeah. But you took to the flute like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. Was it because you were a lonely, shy kid, you think, that you stayed in your room and practiced the flute that much? Was it, was it your first lover in a sense that this was my best friend? That's why you even gave your flute a name. Uh, it, it, you know, what drove you to become so good on the flute? 
Well, I I never thought about it like that. That's so interesting. I more so first off, in even though it was in Houston, Texas, and you wouldn't think like okay, you know, a bunch of black kids in the in the band, you know, my band director made it very cool. Like we were playing like Biggie Smalls and like songs on radio. So in fifth grade and sixth grade everybody wanted to be in the band he made it very fun and um the place to be so that was my first you know allure then once i started playing i was like i want to be i was a very ambitious child by the way like what i wanted to do like what you want to be when you grow up i was like i want to be an astronomer i want to be a great american novelist i you know i had these wild ambitions so for me i was like i want to be the best flute player of all time (laughs) like i just got it was like a fixation i had and and so i just practiced and practiced and practiced and you don't have like it's not like you have a lot of flute heroes in um you know know what i mean it's it's a weird thing to want to be good at the flute and i should say you moved from detroit and then you went to uh, houston Houston, and that's where yeah yeah, that's where you had a lot of your childhood and and you got so proficient on the flute that you won a scholarship to Houston University or whatever the yeah. hell it is, you Houston arranged. College. Oh, cool. Yeah, amazing. I mean, free ride. You, you were that good. I was very good. I was being trained by um, the principal flutist in the Houston Ballet when I was still in high school because the flute tutors who was coming to the high school, she didn't know what to do with me. I was, she was still in college. So she was like, do you want to like play duets? <laughs> Cause she couldn't teach me shit. So I was like, I need somebody who's really gone, you know, show me. So I started working with like the principal flutist at the Houston ballet, the head flute professor at the university of Houston Moore's uh, school of music. When I was a junior in high school, you know, wow. like, I was, <laughs> I was Wait, a bad you- mama jamma. <laughs> Yeah, would you consider yourself a prodigy? In other words, uh, to be that good at flute, to win a scholarship to college, I mean, you got to have some sort of crazy ability. I don't think anyone used that language to describe me when I was a kid. So I didn't, I don't think people had the reference for that. Um, so I, I never really thought of myself like that. I mean, I auditioned in the seventh grade or in the eighth grade for high school with, um, the Carnival of Venice, which is a really difficult flute piece, but I had memorized it by like the eighth grade. So I was like, what, 13 or something. So I don't know if that makes me prodigal, but you know, somebody tell me in the comments or whoever's listening, (laughs) any flute players out there, is that a big deal? When you do your live show, I find it interesting. When you incorporate flute into a song, you do a thing, you know, I'm thinking in rock and roll, who was cool as a flute player. To me, you know, do you know Ian Anderson's work from Jethro Tull? Yes. Okay. I see that in you. You'll, in the middle of playing the flute, either do a heavy breath or you'll even scream out a lyric. Yeah. And that's what Ian, you know, when when Ian Anderson would play, it was a lot of like, <laughs> like he would, do you, do you, do you have, do you have that um, recognition of him? Do you see the parallel there or am I off base? So here's the thing. My dad, whenever he would reference flute with me, he'd be like, you're going to be like Jethro Tull. He call- so I always thought his name was Jethro Tull. Right. I didn't know that was the band name. So right. uh, that's always been like my point of like the cool reference for flute. It's like, yeah, Jethro Tull. But I more was inspired by like James Galloway, which is super nerdy. But he's like the man with the platinum flute, this like James, Irish flutist. James Galloway. Danny boy. Right? 
Is this who you're referring to? Yeah. Yes. Irish. And you know. Tone. You love it. Yeah. And it's it's right what you say. I mean, it almost brings you to tears. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Danny boy. James it's the Galloway. simple stuff. It's the simple things that really get you on flute. Like, I wish I was a cooler jazz flautist that could be like, like, I wish I could do all that kind of stuff. And I will. I will learn. Right. But this is well, this I, is my foundation. Yeah, because uh, this is Jethro Tull doing Bourree. This is Ian Anderson. And I don't know, when he gets cooking, it reminds me of you in concert because you'll incorporate singing and, and I don't know. There's something there. But that's pretty good flute playing, isn't it? Where is he? Oh. Have you ever heard this track before? No, never. Oh, good. I want you to hear it. Tell me what you think when it starts to really fly. So was he like the was the flute the lead singer? Was there no well, singer? He was the singer too. So like you, he would like sing in between or like he'd start grunting oh. and stuff. I thought for sure you were a fan of this track. This is hard. This is hard? Oh yeah. Like good. You know what he's doing? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, why didn't your dad ever play you this track? Woo! Yeah. Anyway, that's uh. Yo, you know. I play around like that. I could. I play around with the undulating and the and the blowing. They know. Yes, you do. I, I, I'm too shy to do it on stage for real. For real. I I gotta mm. perfect it before. I, yeah, I, gee, I, I thought you were pretty perfect at it. Thank but, you. But, you know, I like when you incorporate the flute into your show. I kind of, I, I, I think it's very cool. Oh, there it is. That, that, is that Sasha, your flute? Yes. She wow. looks ashy right now. But, yeah, this is her. She got my lips. Why don't you put some Vaseline on that? She won't be ashy. <sighs> she has a cleaning cloth that I'm too lazy to pick up. <laughs> right. When you, uh, what was the first thing you ever, uh, when you thought when you were a kid and you started playing the flute, what was the first composition on that that you started to play that you thought you were, hey, you know, I'm pretty good at this? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You're reminding me, there were some pieces that I don't even remember the names of anymore because they were like so like elementary, like, um, dun, dun, dun. wait, no, you mean when I'm good at it, not the first yeah. one I ever played. Yeah. Yeah, um, when you started to feel confident, is there something you could blow into that thing and go, like, this is a song that I do pretty well, and this was one of the ones where I said, man, I'm really good. Yeah, I mean, earlier, like, I, the Carnival of Venice was, the Carnival of Venice was wild for me, because, like, it was really hard, and I learned it by ear, by listening to James mm -hmm. Galway, um on CD, and I was like, and before I could even read the music, I was like, okay learning it um so that one really was but i was also playing a lot of stuff by ear like off the radio and stuff which i thought was really cool um it made the flute like 
continually be cool for me after we left fifth and sixth grade when everyone started quitting band and they were like that's for nerds i was like no i can play destiny's child <laughs> let me hear what sasha sounds like can you blow into it a little bit can you do something? yeah she's Just... cold give me a second all right she's wow cold. yeah um what does it mean she's cold the whole flute is like cold because <laughs> it's a cold room so like if the flute is cold we're not going to get the best like resonance but right. um i wish i could do like an ian anderson like it's almost yeah, like he's singing it. and playing the flute at the same time right yeah i yeah, want to do it so bad on stage but i get so nervous i'm like i don't want to fuck up in front of twenty thousand people <laughs> you seem so real you know when i was watching your uh, documentary there's a moment where you're saying to the crew, hey, listen, this is a rehearsal right now, and I don't hear the guitars in the rehearsal. And that's cool, but when I get out on stage, I better fucking hear those guitars. Because I'm going to be in front of a lot of people, and I want to hear the guitars. That's also the pressure of uh, performing. When you're relying on a bunch of technicians, and these are your people, mm -hmm. and you blow your stack, don't you, when those guitars aren't there and you're in front of a live audience? I mean, it's really upsetting. Yeah. How do you keep yeah. your cool in those moments? It's it's just got to blow your mind. That's one of the few times I do get really upset because I do feel like I want to give the best show possible, you mm. know? And, I mean, mistakes happen, you know? And it's happened in the past where it's like... Like, for instance, when I did Coachella and, like, the music was just stopping, <laughs> I was singing the song and it would just cut out. And I had to keep singing and it would cut back in and then cut out every single song. And it was, like, heartbreaking. But it's like, the show must go on. My dancers kept dancing. My DJ kept playing, even though, like, the system was overheating. And we finished the show and people cheered and people thought it was a part of the show. They thought that I faked it for, like, headlines. I was like, no, guys, that was actually the worst thing ever and we're going to do better next week. <laughs> yeah, who do you blame when stuff like that happens? In other words, you're up there performing. I saw that performance. I've seen it online, and it does look like yeah. it's part of the show. You covered it really well. You go, I'm just going to keep going. But, yeah. you know, who do you blame for that? You're up at Coachella, which is a big gig, and the guitar, the music cuts out. Who, Who's at fault yeah. there? Do you get to the bottom of it, or do you let it slide? Well, hopefully I don't have to blame someone because they'll take accountability you know i think that like sometimes blame comes when no one's stepping up to the plate and being like i'm responsible for this and you know luckily i've had the honor of working with people who do assume accountability and responsibility for shit that goes wrong you know mm. so i didn't have to really blame anyone but i did say somebody get in fire when I right. off the stage. <laughs> and, and isn't it a bitch because you're an artist, but you still got to be the boss and you still have to, yeah. you know, you have to, you, you really, and it, it kind of sucks, doesn't it? That's the yeah. part of, of success that kind of blows that you got this big organization and some people just don't measure up. Which is why your yeah, band is now shaking in their boots. They're so nervous about playing. <laughs> they're like, oh, no, they're oh, incredible. Shit. Also, I no. don't. I feel like I grew so exponentially. Like I, it was like as, after Truth Hurts, it was like you put my career in a microwave and it just went. 
you know, and people who could handle it all of a sudden couldn't handle it anymore. And it's not their fault that it was too much for them. And I think that like, I've also been really blessed that people just bow out when they can't, when they, cause they don't want to sink my shit, you know? So they'll be like, really? respectfully, I can't handle it anymore. Like my first manager who I really appreciate, he was like, I wanted to manage indie pop or indie rock groups i didn't want to manage pop and like this is starting to get a little bigger than i can handle and respectfully i'm unfit to manage you now and i appreciated wow. that from him yeah how fucking loving is that <laughs> i mean I that that is so rare lizzo that someone comes to you and jumps off the train that's moving fast and says i cannot yeah. deal with it um wow Wow. I think it's respect. I think also I'm very protected. You know, my great grandmama prayed over me. But like I um, I think the respect that I show people, I get it back. I do. Lizzo, when your father died, it it was really devastating to you. You were there in Houston. You were uh, you were on your scholarship for the flute and and everything snapped. It, it's mm -hmm. a it's a defining moment in your career. Your father dies. You loved your yeah in your life. Yeah. Your, your your father dies, and you say, "Fuck this! Fuck the scholarship! I can't! I can't do this right now." And you literally are living out of your car. Um, I, I I guess that the the big moment too is you probably weren't even sure you wanted to do music at all, for you to leave your scholarship. Yeah. What the hell was that like? I mean, what is it like for you to be living in a car? And I bring this up because I think people see you now and go, oh, she's rich and she's lucky. And she's yeah. it, this has nothing to do with luck. The yeah. struggle has been real. Yeah. Um, um, what happened there that 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 you just completely left school? I if I have to really go back and figure out it was this I felt like i was kind of like frozen if i really have to like find a word for it um i stopped talking like i actually stopped talking like somebody would be like hey how you doing and it would be like i don't know it was like a actual kind of like breakdown that i had and um it was really really difficult like i had just had so many um, horrible things happened to me back to back to back to back and I felt like I was getting kicked over and over and over and over and like sitting in your car with like all your possessions and you're just like like I was exhausted I think it's like you know I, I'm I don't ever want to like the, but, but Lizzo what was the exhaustion was it uh, I lost my anchor in life. I lost my father. Or was it just I, I have all these dreams and career and I've had so many people shit on me yeah. from the guys no, who would know, make fun of you or whatever. What, what, yeah. what was it? Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, I felt like my life didn't really have purpose anymore because all my life I had this like very clear purpose and I guess I obviously still do and I was following that purpose and it was very like centric around like my family and my dad was like someone who really was at the heart of that because it was like okay he's encouraging me to play the flute and then one day I'm going to be really successful at flute so I can take care of him and that was the focus it wasn't like I'm going to be successful at flute so I can win Grammys I'm going to be successful at flute so I can be a millionaire it was to take care of him right so when he's gone it's like my purpose was aimless and it was just like the worst thing that could ever happen to like a 20 year old like losing your dad suddenly and not having 
anywhere to live, not having a job, not having anyone to talk to, you know, my, my family, my mom and my sister were in Denver trying to keep the family business. So I just was like, what if I just left? Like I really had a, the the lowest thought I had was like, I just want to be with my dad. And it wasn't like suicidal, but it was just like, I'm exhausted with life. I am. Was it the was it not only because um, you describe early in your life you took a lot of shit, uh, kids made fun of you, uh, you weren't the um, you weren't the homecoming queen, and and uh, and 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 people would say real nasty shit to you, and and <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah and and so your dad probably was the only man in your life who didn't throw that shit at you, is is that accurate? Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, my brother is a great guy too but you know we were you know siblings so it's like eh, you know so like yeah my dad was and is a great example of a man in my life you know i got the reverse you know like daddy issue thing where it's like no man can measure to my dad now he's been canonized so i'm like you gotta be top notch bucko and right. you gonna mess with me <laughs> right yeah no i i get it and and you had just had it so it wasn't a suicidal thing you weren't sitting there going i'm no. gonna end my life to be with my father but i'm just exhausted i was and, exhausted and, and what was it like living in a car i mean what was the reality of that you mean you, you, you would at night at some point you would just what lay down in your car and pull over by by the side of the road gas station yeah um And then at the time I was still in my rock band. So I was fortunate to park in the, um, where we used to rehearse the rehearsal studios, which was this like grody place in like Southeast Houston (laughs) roaches and everything. But I could park there and then I could like sleep in the studio sometimes. Um, I slept on my drummer's floor and like in his Mm. bedroom, like next to him, like his bed was here and I was on the floor. And like when his family would eat, they would feed me. And I was like so grateful for that. Um, it was, was a lot of that in rotation for a while i shower at the gym so 24-hour fitness you know you find your ways to sneak in and then you shower at the gym and um there was a shower at the studio too but it was grody because there was these two other boys who lived there too and they was shit all the time did you seek help did you try to get any kind of uh therapy going or or because you were slipping away right no i couldn't afford therapy i couldn't afford therapy but i would get drunk i would drink like a bunch of whiskey and i would play these rock shows and i would just scream on stage and roll around on the ground and that was kind of like therapy for me therapy and also kind of was it was it acting out were you acting sort of like hey somebody pay attention to me somebody give me some love here somebody show me something was the audience the surrogate love that you hadn't gotten from your father in so long well our crowds weren't that big so. right <laughs> there weren't too many daddies in the audience no but, no no zaddies Lisa, what was the extent of the teasing when you were in Houston and you were playing the flute? Um, was it mm-hmm. was it? Uh, I mean, I've read that the kids would tease you for your shoes. They would tease you for your hair. They they, they teased yeah. you too because you were rambunctious in class. You were a bright kid, and you would answer questions from the teacher. Yeah, so and they felt- I always I feel very like 
because I still have my friend from like the fourth grade, Alexia, who's with me. So she'd be like, you were kind of popular in high school. And I'm like, yeah, girl. But from like the moment I got to Houston to like the eighth grade, ninth grade, it was just like, because, yeah, my my shoes were slouch because, you know, I'm a bigger girl and I had a wide foot. OK, I get custom shoes made now, but they will make fun of my like slouchy shoes or my hair. You know, I didn't wear my hair like everyone else when I was like really hyper sweaty i guess i had like anxiety back then maybe i didn't even realize but i was really like hyper sweaty and they would make fun of that and they'd be like oh melissa oh you know making fun of the way i would do my hair and stuff i had my clothes like hidden in gym they made fun of because i wasn't shaving my legs it's like oh you got hairy legs it was everything you talk like a white girl you act like a white girl you answer too many questions like oh you like anime like that's weird like you like that sailor moon stuff it was everything and i was like gosh you know of course not even the being overweight you know right being called fat ass like was a fat ass every day and i feel bad for impersonating him because he knows who he is and he's already apologized but it's like it's been done buddy you did it and it's all love but it's like that was a part of my existence and i had to find ways to cope you know and create these like escapist worlds in my head like writing stories or writing songs to just like get away from it where i could be cool and i could be the main character you mean there was a particular guy who would call you fat ass and like really just really slam you uh, on a daily basis? And, and yeah, you can laugh about it now, but at the time, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty fucking heavy because like it, we're all insecure. And then yeah. kids just love to take someone who has an insecurity and beat the shit out of them, you know, and, yeah, and that's and tough. I- I do laugh about it now because he's cool. And we did actually get cool in high school. Like I'm from a I'm from the southwest Ailey, Texas, where it's like a southwest where everybody kind of went to the same schools growing up. So there's a lot of people that I went to school with in fourth grade that I graduated high school with. So it's like, you know, I grew up once I got funny and, you know, learned how to, (laughs) you know, a lot of people develop a sense of humor to escape bullying and stuff. I learned how to do that. I kind of got cool with them later on, like soft more junior senior year but yeah he was definitely like every day from fifth grade on was up fat ass on the bus and i'd be like oh. just don't look <laughs> just avoid and he was popular and you yeah know. and because he's saying calling you fat ass then you're like oh shit is that name going to become the nickname for me now and is everyone going to be empowered to start calling me fat ass you know it's scary yes, but then for i kid. empowered fat ass i feel like I can get called fat now or I could even call myself fat and it doesn't bother me. But that's also within like um, the community of big girls. That's a sensitive word. So some people are not okay with fat. Some people are okay with fat. Some people have empowered fat like they've empowered bitch. And I feel like I've empowered both of them. I'm a fat bitch. (laughs) And I'm not. It doesn't hurt my feelings. What is the line that song you do? Wait, I gotta, it's so fucking good. Is it on Truth Hurts where you go, I had my DNA checked and I'm one, and it turns out I'm 100% bitch. That's the greatest fucking line I've ever heard in a song. Maybe the best. Where did you come up with it? Wasn't it on Truth Hurts that you do that? That was Truth Hurts. Yeah, Truth Hurts. Oh, here we go. I love this line. I just took a DNA Why test. Turns out. Oh, by the way, that's a great line. 
I was about why to say men, that. Why, why men, are men great till they got to be great? That is such a heavy line. And you know why. Because they want mm-hmm. pussy. And then they'll fuck you. And then they're not great anymore. Is that what you're referring to? Um... In the macro sense, in the micro sense, yes, that's that's part of it. But in the macro sense, you know, we've given men all of this power and responsibility in the world, you know, um, to be like the world leaders. And um, I feel like they let us down so much and we didn't right. even give it to them. They assume those powers and they they'd never live up to protecting people in the way that they should. It's like, man, you have this great title and yet you are doing nothing to live up to it see i took it from like men are great they put on an act uh, to get in your pants if i if i can put it that way and then suddenly it's it's a completely different guy Mm -hmm. it's like uh now you got in my pants and now you don't return my call and you tell me i'm 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 a fuckhead or whatever it is Mm -hmm. uh but, but it is a great line when you went in the studio made this song the the dna line the why men gotta be great is that all written down ahead of time or are you just coming up with that in the studio? Funny thing about that is it's a combination of both. So the day I went in the studio to record that song, specifically Truth Hurts, um, mm-hmm. I was going through, you know, some some personal issues and I was sad. And oh, I was Mike? just saying. With Mike? No. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. I got something to say about Mike. I watched the documentary. I'm going to, uh, well, go ahead. Yeah. And, um, I was just saying everything that was happening to me. And Ricky Reed was writing it down. And he was like, Do you realize you just wrote a song? And I was like, No, <laughs> I'm crying right now. And you mean, we put it together that way. You, you mean you went in the studio and said, Why, why men great till they got to be great? And don't text me, tell it straight to my face. You know, like like you were you were just kind of unloading. Yeah. Oh wow! I literally That's went crazy. to the salon, got my hair done. I literally went on a date with a Minnesota Viking, like everything. And then the bum bum be dum be dum bum be was a filler. I just was like, let's just put this in there until we find a better line. And then it just kind of stuck. Like everything was just like wow. stream of conscious. Because uh, yeah. that's a great that's a great moment. To, I, I, I interrupted, but here it is. I just think how many well, how many Grammys you win for that? I mean, what the what was the tote? I won three Grammys, but here's the kicker: I won one Grammy for Truth Hurts for Best Pop Vocal. I won a Grammy for Jerome for Best R and B, and then I won a Grammy for my album Best Urban. So I won three Grammys in three different genres in one night. <laughs> It's unbelievable. What a night. Was that important to you? I mean, was that a victory or do you kind of say, you know, awards are, uh, I don't care about them. No, it's definitely a milestone. It was like, yeah. a, oh my gosh, like, it, 
we're here. <laughs> it was definitely a we're here moment, but it wasn't like this is it. It was like we're here. Let's keep going. Is there any part of you when you think about your extraordinary drive to success? And and this I, I relate to myself where you go, fuck you to all the people who made fun of you, to the people who didn't believe in you. Like when you're standing on that Grammy stage, you're saying, I hope that dude who called me fat ass is watching me today. I hope he's seeing me or anyone or even your mom who said, don't use foul language in your uh, music. Do you do you stand there? Is it a giant like victory dance and fuck you kind of moment? I never want to say I never have a fuck you energy. I've, I have it not to everybody. I'll give a fuck you energy to like one person sometimes, you know, but I don't think that's the energy that I want to give out, especially when I'm on a Grammy stage. Like, um, um, I did have a really full circle moment when I did rumors with Cardi B and I was like, they hated on me since school. Yeah. Now me and Cardi, we cool. And I was with my like, best friend i think she was on set yeah because she was in the music video alexia and she's known me since fourth grade we've known the same people and i started crying because i was like oh my god i actually know cardi b and she's like really cool and like i felt like a nerd my whole life and i'm like does this make me cool am i you know like the people back home are gonna see this and be like oh melissa really she really did it you know i felt like i really became cool and i made it when i made rumors with cardi b and i got emotional about that do you ever see people who now try to be your friend who wouldn't be your friend back in the day have you experienced that have they come to you and you're just kind of no like, you one know, has like, access to me <laughs> <laughs> wow you you've done it all right uh yeah when you talk about rumors i always wonder about rumors too because i do it for the culture god damn they say i should watch the shit i post oh god damn say i'm turning big girls in the holes oh god damn they say i get groupies at my shows oh all right, I'm stopping it there because when I listen to this song, I'm getting insight into you. Was there a point, you see, in your music, I hear something where you talk about a period in your life where you turned off emotion. You even said in one of your songs, I don't, I don't even know what emotion is. I used to be a hoe, meaning I think you'd fuck a guy and not even care about him, right? Your defense mechanism in life was to, hey, I don't even know if there's such a thing as love. I don't believe it. Uh, mm -hmm. Am I right about that? And how did you learn how to love? Because, you know, if you if you if your defense mechanism in life is to turn off completely, mm -hmm. not love and not even know what emotion is, mm -hmm. how'd you turn it back on? So I definitely from a very young age rejected the idea of love and especially the traditional sense i was like music is my boyfriend and i was like i'm with the flute like i think that love will be a distraction and i was really focused on wherever i was supposed to go in life so i was like no but i also felt like that was a defense because i felt very unlovable and i felt like nobody wanted me no one ever expressed interest in me and it's like if y'all don't want me i don't want y'all how about that you know if right. i don't want you first then you can't reject me and i think i went through life with that wall up and then i had um it was shortly after um writing truth hurts and, and moving to la and having all these experiences where i realized oh shit like am i unlovable 
you know i really asked myself that question and it made me really sad because it's like damn what's not to love what's wrong with me and i had to dive into that and i had to realize no external person can answer that question no person can be like no you are lovable because look how much i love you because then i'm relying on that person to validate me and then when they're gone or they fuck me over that's just gonna make me feel even worse about myself so i sat with myself and i was like i saw this like silly quote and it was like be the boyfriend you want to be to yourself and i was like okay let me take that to the next level and let me love myself and actually do the real work like i feel like love yourself and all these terms are so popular now but back when i was like excavating myself and really saying that in a radical sense of like liberation it wasn't common and it was really ugly and it was really scary being like oh my gosh why don't i like myself why don't i feel like anyone likes me and i got there i had to read books and meditate and fucking light candles man it was hard <laughs> well uh, and uh you know first of all that's very impressive that you could dig yourself out of that hole without any help. Well, I'm talking mm -hmm. about therapy or some kind of thing mm -hmm. where you could have a revelation and actually believe it and be your own best boyfriend or or, or validator. I mean, mm -hmm. that's crazy. And it seems like um, and also you mentioned uh, during that period of time, in order to sort of find yourself, you would microdose uh, mushrooms. Is that something you recommend? Is that is that a good thing to do? I've heard a lot of people tell me they're doing that with acid now, like small doses of acid or psilocybin, any kind of, you know what I mean? But what what, what was it about microdosing mushrooms that helped you? I think it was getting over fear. Like I was afraid of everything and I have a lot of anxiety. And um, I think like I was afraid of like losing control of my mind or losing control of how I feel. And um, I don't do nothing synthetic. <laughs> if it grows from the earth, I'll try it. And right. um, I think when I tried it, I was like, okay, I have to get over this fear because I'm such a control freak. Like I need everything to go through my fingers before it goes into the world and like even i felt this need to control my life and to control the people in it like you know and i learned like you can't and i think when i tried mushrooms it was like getting rid of that fear of what happens when you let go of the reins a little bit and just like let life be life and trust and respect life and i think like it was the best thing for me because it expanded my mind and chilled me out a lot <laughs> meaning you were able to relax and give up control without the paranoia of losing control. Yes. Wow. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> but when you're singing on rumors and you say, I used to, you know, have groupies, was that your style of sort of, um, in other words, since there was no love that you thought could exist. So as you became more and more famous, you were, you would fuck groupies. That's, that was your thing. <laughs> okay. I had one tour. I had one tour where I was like, you know what? I'm a, I'm a go home with a guy after the show. And I did it like <laughs> maybe a few times on that tour. And it was really weird. There was one guy who after like we made out when I walked away, he was like, yes. And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's no. a fucking egg. <laughs> I can't do this shit no more. So oh, um, I did experiment a little bit and it was fun. It was empowering to be like, yeah, like I'm at the show, you know, and I'm I'm I do it like everybody else do it. You know, I do it like the rappers do it. <laughs> right. You would be. It's analogous to what we know of male rock stars. They go on the road and they pick someone out of the audience. 
and they have sex with them. And in a way, it's very empowering because, wow, I must have really made it. I can take my pick of the of the dudes out there and, and have sex yeah. with them. You know, it's crazy. And yeah, and, and it's a little maybe, different for me. But yes. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be different for a woman. <laughs> I mean, I'm still it just a woman, so I'm like. Yeah. Are you gonna kill me? <laughs> like, I have to like, protect myself. <laughs> and and uh, and another rumor in that song is you say you make everyone sign an NDA. Is that true? Are you at the point where like, oh shit, people have betrayed you that way? People in your inner circle they go and run to a tabloid and will release information. It's preventative. It's like right. social Botox. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like sign right. and you know, I I don't really have anything salacious or anything really to hide, but I do feel like I've had enough lawsuits now that it's nice to just have this extra measure, this extra layer of protection. What lawsuits have you had? I mean, I don't know anything about that. Oh my gosh. What happened? <laughs> My publicist. I'm sorry, Ashley. Um, this sounds like a good story. What 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 what, um, what would someone what would someone come after you for? Oh my gosh, I should have never said this. Kevin is so mad at me right now. Listen, 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 listen. Linda, listen. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> for legal uh, reasons, this statement right. is not true. <laughs> all right, so people have sued you over the content in your songs where they feel you're bad mouthing them or or uh yeah, buying things along the yeah. lines. It's been oh that it's been over it's been over tweets, but Oh really? It's neither here nor there. Social media is very dangerous. Social media. You know, I you can't get clap back up. like I used to, Howard. I can't clap back like I used to. Poor Lizzo. <laughs> Poor Lizzo. You just want to give it back to someone and you can't. It's crazy. Uh, so rich Lizzo, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, right. Is 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 being rich great? Is uh, I mean someone who slept in their car. I mean, it's got to be pretty incredible stuff. And and, and what's the best thing you bought uh besides Ooh. a $55,000 flute? What uh, what are some of the mm. the best things you've bought? I did not buy that flute. That was a gift, by the way. Oh, so wow. that was really cool. Um Well, I who just bought a that? house. Who gave who you gave the flute? Who gave me that? Yeah. My business partner. Oh, okay. Well, that's a nice yeah. gift. Is I it, know. Is it, is it noticeably better than any flute you ever played? Absolutely. Visually, wow. physically, mentally, <laughs> you just feel like you're, whatever you're playing, you can play nothing like bullshit on it and it'll sound amazing. <laughs> is that the one you're looking at or is it? No, somewhere? that's Sasha. In fact, no, uh, is, is Sasha actually. jealous? Is yeah. Sasha jealous of uh, the $55,000 <laughs> flute? Sasha jealous. You know, she kind of she like wants to be cool with her. She wants to be friends because Sasha's normally very jealous of all other flutes. But because this flute's a little better than her, you know, she's very superficial. So Sasha's like, <laughs> yeah, we're cool. We like get tune ups together. <laughs> do you play do you play any other instruments besides uh, the flute or do you limit it to the flute? Can you play? Well, you can play guitar. I can bullshit. Yeah, I can bullshit. Right. I can bullshit just about on any instrument you give me because I think once you've learned an instrument at a young age, you kind of can have a basic concept and idea of like, you know, melody and rhythm, which is all music is. Um, I would open tune guitars though. I can't like right. think, I can't put the, I can't do the frets with the right place. I'll open tune it to a major chord and be like, <laughs> I can do like right. a campfire song. Um, we had to study piano in college. <laughs> 
like everybody who goes to college for like an instrument has to study piano. So I have a basic understanding of piano. I could play, you know, whatever. If you give me enough time. Um, right. I can play all different kinds of flutes, like wooden flutes or ocarinas, um, drums. I love playing the drums. I like to shred on the drums. Like it's, it's very like Meg White from the White Stripes. Is it any, is it almost like having a superpower when you can play the flute on a level that you play? Like if you come up to like people who play on the orchestra level and they don't know you and all of a sudden you whip out the flute and start jamming with them to the point where you're as good as them. Cause nobody's expecting that from you, right? They think you're a pop singer. They think yeah. you're just, you know, it's gotta be like a superpower when you whip out that flute and really can jam, right? It's always been that way for me, too, because I was a big black girl in Houston and I would wear, you know, all these earrings. I would go to Claire's and icings and get all the earrings and the accessories. And I would be at like band camp and stuff. And all the other flute players don't look like me. So they're like, what's this girl about to do? And I'd be like, and they're like, oh, you know, so I was always that when I would do state competitions, everyone underestimated me and I would just keep advancing to the top, honey. Um, So, yeah, I guess I've always had to prove myself in that way. You drive me crazy because uh, in your new documentary, you're sitting there playing the flute with those corkscrew uh, nails that you had put on. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, isn't playing the flute hard enough? You Now you're doing it with corkscrew uh, fingernails. And, Literally uh, the hardest thing I've ever... Well, why would you do that? You handicapped yourself uh, during the performance. Why would you do it? I like to do everything. I like to do life on hard mode. If I can do it, I want to be impressive. I don't ever want to like cop out. I don't want to be like, well, I can't do it. So take the nails off. It has to be like, you absolutely could not do it. My fingers were too downturned. I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm very, I'm such an overachiever, man. Like the ambition is, I like related to Lady Macbeth. Isn't that terrible? I was like, vaulting ambition. That resonates with me. (laughs) When you have that, when you have that kind of ambition, Lizzo, do you like ever, does you ever wake up in the middle of the night and go, Jesus Christ. What if I hadn't made it? What if I hadn't been the success I am? It would have been devastating to you because in a way, since you were a little girl, you felt like I got something in me that's really special mm-hmm. that I'm going to mm-hmm. unleash on the world. It, it, it's it's it would have been disastrous, right? Not really, because I'll tell you why. Um, when I released Truth Hurts in 2017, mind you, it went number one in 2019. I was very close to quitting music. And I had this moment where I was like, I need to be okay with the fact that I have grossed a million dollars on my own as a touring artist, that I have a loyal fan base and that I can tour, you know, North America and a little bit of, and a little bit of Europe by myself. Like I'm good and I can sustain myself forever. As long as I continue to put out good music and I, and I, you know, tour, like I can have the life of a touring musician and that's cool with me. And I really truly made peace with that. I really did. And then all this here's, shit happened. <laughs> here's another song from that album that's such a huge song. Because I love you. That's a big song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
up in love before What the fuck are fucking feelings, yo? Once upon a time I was a hoe I don't even want a hoe no What the fuck are feelings, yo? That's heavy Beautiful song. You know what? I'm picturing you 20 years from now when you got to be hitting all these notes on stage. You're going to say, I should have written that in a lower key or something, right? It's going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? I'm in I mean, it for the long haul, baby. I but, feel you know, like she right just now. said a little while ago that, you know, she listens to Beyonce and Aretha and all these people, and that's singing. Honey, yeah. that is singing. I feel like you, um, right now you're at the point in your life where you have a lot to say. I was interviewing Bruce Springsteen and he said to me, I only write songs when I have something to say. And right now you have a lot to say. You know, it's mm -hmm. like you're at that point in your life where you're prolific. I mean, you got the new album out, you got the documentary, you're, uh, you know, this relationship with your mother I'm trying to figure out. I, I know you have a, a good relationship with your mother, but... I, when I see that there's something like maybe it's confused because your mother sounds like she's a talented woman, supportive woman, but a very religious woman. And because of her religion, like I said earlier, she didn't want you cursing in your music and she was very specific about it and wasn't so supportive when you started to use foul language. And I guess the family went to therapy even over it, right? You went to therapy with your mom. <laughs> well, and, I was in uh, therapy and then I invited them into therapy, yes. I see. And and in other words, it's a confusing relationship in that I feel like your mom now is on board, but I think maybe you have some resentment to the early times when she wasn't that supportive. Would that be accurate? Oh, my gosh. Here's the thing that I've learned about my parents now being the age they were when I was able to observe their behavior. They had three kids and they were working at a job like they created their own business and they were working together as husband and wife to be able to support school my my flute to pay for that like they my mom worked so hard her whole life and i wanted her to when i got off of school and when she got off work to be like mom listen to this but like sometimes she was tired you know but the support like the fact that she purchased my like got me my flute and anything i wanted mommy i want to go to band camp i want to go to flute fire everything i wanted to go to she supported and endorsed it and um is just there for me like i don't have any resentment yes i am building on my relationship with my mom which i think is a beautiful thing um because when i was a kid i don't think i got as much time with her as i got with my dad but now that we have time like I, she's she was at the people's choice awards she's all up in the documentary like i want to spend as much time with my mom because i know that time is like the most precious thing that we have and i have so much 
understanding and grace and respect for her and for what she did for me and like me needing verbal you know support and needing verbal affirmations as a child maybe that was like what i craved but you know most importantly i got that physical material support you know from her and that's what i needed the most when you're in therapy did you ever bring up the fact that when you um when you were the musical guest on saturday night live you had your mom introduce you know you had your mom introduce you and to me uh, i used to involve my parents a lot in my career and it was my way of giving my career to them, uh, which wasn't healthy for me. I shouldn't have done that. Mm. Um, I needed to do that uh, to make it all about them so they get credit. I felt a tremendous mm. pressure. And, I, and when I saw you doing that, I, wa- I wanted to hug you and go, Lizzo, you don't need to have your mom introduce you. This is you. This is your moment. Do you, do, does any of that make sense to you or, or, or am I off base? You're not off base because it's not, I don't just do that with my parents or my family. I literally do that with everybody. Like for me, I like to reflect any light that's being shined onto me, onto everyone else. And I think that I have a habit of doing that. Um, Why? That to I don't give even them realize. Something? To give them something or it, out of guilt? No, it's not guilt. It feels good. It does feel good to to shine light on people because I think people are beautiful and I think they deserve the light. Um, I had my mom introduce me because I just didn't think there was anyone else because I was I was the guest and the the I was the host and the musical guest. So it was like I had to find someone to do it. A cast member would have been nice, but like I also just was like this would be really special and sweet, you know. Right. I wanted to introduce myself, which I did. I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, me." And then the second time, I had my mommy do it, and I thought it was really sweet. What's the relationship with Eric Andre? I, I'm a big fan of Eric Andre. I like him. <laughs> and uh, I remember clearly when I saw you on that show doing instead of Bird Up, Lizzo Up. And, yeah. you know, you were running around with that green screen outfit on and the whole thing. It, was, it, it showed me you had a tremendous sense of humor to do that yeah. and to go out in the street and film that. Who, who, how do you know Eric Andre? It doesn't seem like you guys, your worlds would collide in any way. But what, what, what happened there? <laughs> random i've been friends with him for a long time actually he's always like hey liz come to jamaica i'm like what's happening (laughs) um how did you meet him him, i met him years ago i think well first off i was a fan i watched the eric andre show yada 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 um i think it was through phoebe robinson maybe um when they did had two dope queens there was a birthday party that i went to in new york and, and they had stand-up and eric was one of the people john stewart was one of the people it was really cool and i saw him backstage and was like hi and i met him back there and he was like hey <laughs> you know and then he left and i think after that we kept kind of like running into each other and i wanted to be on the eric andre show so bad but i wasn't cool enough and i never got asked and then um i think i met Katow. Kitao is his like friend who does all of the directing of the show. He directs the Eric Andre show. And then through there, he was like, hey, come to this Valentine's Day thing. We're all going to get drunk and like eat chicken. And I met him again and was like, remember me? So we that just had a- like little run ins with the same crowd. That is a crazy fucking show. I would be afraid to be a guest on that show. Oh, I would, yeah, because uh, he, like, literally tortures people. And I, w- yeah, I, I mean, wanted it. I was like, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. 
So let's talk about. So we we've mentioned, of course, several times that Lizzo is. Uh, you know, there's a uh, right now on HBO Max. There is a documentary which I recommend you watch. I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed watching that. I like watching you in a studio. I like watching you create. Um, to me, that's the most fascinating part of any of these documentaries. Did you watch the Beatles one where you see them actually create songs? Did you, um, did you watch that at all? I saw clips from it and it was incredible. Just seeing it like, you know, songs that we know and love today just kind of like come out of his fingers. It was like, is that how it happened? I can't even well, that's believe it. it's how it happened. But you're a songwriter. But you're a songwriter. You know how it happens. I know, know? but it's just like when you're that, when it's that big, when it's like, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't even matter. It's like, it's the Beatles. We still are just like, what was in the water? Like, what were they drinking? (laughs) Everything was good. So Lizzo, explain to me, why wouldn't you study that thing like it was the Torah? Why wouldn't you just like watch that thing over and over again to try to not copy them but to see their process to me i would think you're the one person who should be watching that because you write songs for a living are you afraid it would fuck you up i just feel like nobody's ever really made my process for me like my process is my process and i i don't want to change the recipe i think i'm really good at what i do and i can get better of course but i think what i got going is 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 working for me (laughs) right yeah don't even screw with it let's talk let's talk music let's talk the new album because you're going to perform two songs today now you got a very attractive band here with you and these poor people have been sitting there uh, the oh whole God. time while we're talking, they've been very patient. Um, let me, so, so, um, we have, uh, Mish on drums, right? Yes. Is that Mish? Hello. Hi, Mish. And, uh, Hi, how long you been with Lizzo? How long you been, uh, working with her? A year? Two years? Since the, I've seen the rodeo. The rodeo, first time that we were was 2020. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you? I, I assume you're one of these people that has signed an NDA, so you better not squeal. You better not say too much. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Lizzo, how do you choose the people you're gonna play? You got you got Mish, you got Zuri on bass. Mm-hmm. Am I saying your name right, Zuri? You are. Yep. Zuri. I am. And and Jordan Waters on guitar. Is that correct? Yes. Hi, Jordan. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Uh, you probably haven't been up this early because uh, you're a musician. So you're probably in a, in a semi-coma. Am I correct? Mm, good. I, I, used to be, I used to be in the military, so I'd be up early. <laughs> oh, no through. kidding. Oh, really? Yes. Military. What the military? What, yeah, what were you in? I was in the Marine Corps. Wow. Really? Marine Corps. Woo. Yeah. Marine Corps. Man. Yep. Jeez. But I'm I haven't been a- this early since then. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, right. This, this is worse than the Marine Corps. Well, thank you for your service. I will say that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Did you know that, Lizzo, that she was in the um, Marine Corps? I didn't know that. <laughs> you have no need to know it. She's uh, a professional. How, how many uh, push-ups can you do? Uh, now, um, until I fatigue, I don't know. Probably, hun- probably hundred. What about then, 100. when you were at your peak push-up? I could do a hundred in a minute then. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but now, I, yeah, no. I, but I'm assuming when you're such an accomplished musician, why go into the Marine Corps? What was the drive? Well, I didn't want to go to college because I wasn't necessarily like a really a a book smart type person. I was more extracurricular activity. 
excelling type human and my sister was very good at book smarts and I was like well I'm not gonna have my parents pay for two colleges when I don't even want to go and I did want to go into the band so I was in the Marine Corps band I auditioned before I went to camp and I was like well at least I'll have the backing to go to college if I change my mind later and if I don't I'll have the experience of having like learned from a college school but in the military you know armed forces school of music are you guys nervous playing with Lizzo, <clears throat> knowing her story, knowing how hard she worked in the business? Now we're going to do a live performance. Are you guys nervous about this, or are you so accomplished with your instruments that you've got this down? You know exactly what you have to do. We got it. You got it. Right. They got it. Lizzo, Lizzo <laughs> how do you select these three musicians to work with you today? How does that all come about? Well, luckily, I don't have to because I selected an amazing musical director, Q. So I see. he chose, and um, they are incredible. No complaints. I see. <laughs> Great. It's so trust, what song, honey. What are we doing first, Lizzo? We're going to do uh, About Damn Time, or uh, am I, do I have that Why wrong? Not? Why it's not? About Damn Time. Let's talk about it. What, what is nervous. this song? You are nervous? Why are you nervous? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because anytime anything's live, I'm like, oh, goodness, you only get one shot. <laughs> I, I, well, that's true. But, I mean, you, you know, you've, you have been performing your whole life. So, yes. I mean, uh, you know, you got this. It never gets old. I never want to not get butterflies, you know? <laughs> right. Why did you choose About Damn Time to play? What's, uh, and, 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 you know, what, what was the reasoning behind playing this for us this morning? Well, it's nominated at the Grammys for Record and Song of the Year, so <laughs> I feel That's... like I want to show that off. I'm proud of it. <laughs> well, are you expecting, who are you up against? All of the greatest, biggest names in music. Who we got? I think I'm up like Beyonce, Bad Bunny, Adele, Kendrick Lamar, you know, you name it. God. <laughs> and at that, and by the way, when you won those first couple of Grammys for your other album, you were up against Billie Eilish, and that was a big year for her too, right? I mean, you beat Major her year. ass. You beat her uh, Wait, very badly. No, <laughs> I don't think anyone beat anyone's ass. <laughs> Billie literally swept uh, with a broom at that Grammys, and we were there uh, cheering her on. <laughs> I'm just trying to get a little rivalry going or something. Is it- <laughs> I know. Yeah, you can't no. do it. You can't too much do it. Love. <laughs> About damn time. Do you know Billy? Do you are you uh, friendly with her? Do you guys? Uh, yeah, I would. You you are. Yeah, we were like, in the same. You, I mean, we. Hmm? What would like? Would you pick up the phone and go, "Hey, I'm going out on tour. What do you think?" Blah blah blah, and you know, and just sort of bullshit around. I mean, is it that kind of friendship? No, I don't. It's not like that. I don't have her phone number or anything like that. But we definitely like crossed paths a lot in the beginning because it was like, you know, we both kind of came up the same year. Obviously, I mean, we're both nominated for, you know, the Grammys and Best New Artists and all of that stuff. So um, I saw her a lot. And it was a lot of like when you come up together with an artist, like it was like me, Little Nas X, Billie Eilish. We would just see each other and be like. All right, you know, I don't even know if they realize this, but there's a bond that you kind of get being like the new kids on the block that are like right. having their moment and you see each other and you're like, "Hey, you know, you're doing good. Wow, I'm proud of you." <laughs> are there are there people in show business you're close with where you do have their number and you call them and you say, "Hey, I'm going through something now. I, you know, I didn't expect fame to be like this." Are there is there someone that you confide in that you have real mad respect for? 
I'll say this. The first person who ever talked to me like that was Adele. Like, Adele was like, Lizzo. <laughs> she called me. It was like, how do you fucking do it? Like, you know, she was literally like, how are you doing this? Like, when she first came out, you know, the, the culture of music and being an artist was so different. Especially what you were saying to social media. And she was just like are you okay? Do you want to come over and drink some wine? Do you want to talk? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Adele has like, you know, she's oh, nice. like literally me in a different font. So like, <laughs> it's nice to have her and like, even her like shouting out my documentary at her show the other day was like really sweet and she didn't have to. And she texted me like, I fucking hate documentaries unless you're Tina Turner or the Beatles. And this was so fucking good. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it really is a good one. But how do you, I mean, wow. And, and so you went over there and uh yeah i mean you were able to pour your heart out to her and and she to you yeah. and it was and you and, and and that's that's so great though isn't it that you have someone like that who you can yeah. turn to yeah i like yes. that and I, I look up to her a lot like she's done a lot and she knows who she is and she honors that with every album and she gives us piano ballads that go number one which is just like so hard and rare to do you just have to be like the rarest gem of all time to be able to do that we need her i'm grateful Had for she, her would you be into a collaboration with her Has she ever brought that up we've never talked about that um i you know what i would do with adele i would play flute Right. I will play flute with Adele because she's that kind of artist, you yeah. know. Yeah, I could see flute. Fun. Yeah, that would be good. But these yeah. these collab like like when you were on stage with um, uh, Harry Styles, uh, mm -hmm. you went up with him. I, I I was really turned on by that performance. I thought that was really great. <laughs> you were turned well, on. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it excited okay. me. I like seeing oh. the two of you together. There was a great energy. I don't mean yeah. I was beating off to it. I mean I was. <laughs> you have a dirty mind. Um, You're Howard Stern. <laughs> no. Where is she supposed to go, right? You are really. Yeah. You have, by the way, for Song of the Year, here's some of the artists you're up against this year. Okay? You ready? Okay. I'm ready. Taylor Swift. I feel you're going to beat her because I think people are Taylor Swifted out. You know what I'm saying, Lizzo? I think this is your time. You're up wow. against Bonnie Raitt. Bonnie Raitt is great. I love mm. Bonnie Raitt, but I think you can beat her. Adele, no offense, I know she's a good friend, but I think he got her with this new album. You are so wild. Isn't he terrible? I think he, haven't you done this yet? Have you done the math in your head? Have you said, like, I got, I got, I got Bonnie Rapey. I mean, let's face I've it. I've done the math. It's not, it's the opposite of what you're doing. You feel you everyone else is going to win. I see. Well, I think that. A, I don't feel entitled to winning. I don't feel the Grammy is owed to me. I am right. a winner already. Um, right. I truly, I know that sounds so cliche and corny, but like you have no idea how much I believe every word that comes out of my mouth. Maybe I'm delusional, but I genuinely feel like a winner already. And when I go to the Grammys and I go on that carpet with this fucking gown and look fucking amazing and I go on that stage and I fucking perform my fucking ass off and everybody loves the shit out of it, I'm like, that's my trophy. It really right. is. And to be nominated in this goaded year, I remember being like, what if they just completely overlook my album? Because Harry, Adele, Beyonce, all of these like big people, uh, Kendrick Lamar dropped. Like, what if they just overlook, you know, my album, which could have easily happened. It's the sophomore blues. They always say like your second album doesn't get, you know, it kind of flops. And like I did the opposite of that, you know?
I got a number one in six Grammy nominations. Like, I'm winning. I'm good. (laughs) Oh, listen, you're a lot healthier than I am. I'm always like, (laughs) I'll beat that fucking Harry Styles and Kendrick Lamar and screw Jay-Z. I'm better than him. I mean, I get get competitive, you know what I mean? I'm the green juice of artists. I'm so healthy. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Yeah, you are. You're really healthy. I mean, uh, good for you. No hatred, nothing, no rivalries. It's a... It's a beautiful thing. All right. So this song is called About Damn Time. And it is about damn time, isn't it? Sure. It it really is. Come on, preach now. Here we go. Oh, Howard, preach. No, I'm going to let you preach. Anything you want to say about damn time, except for all the Grammy nominations and everything, anything that comes to your mind about this song before you sing it? I think this is an incredible song. Um, I hated this song. (laughs) I hated hated this song when we were writing it. So in other words, you were not going to put this on the album? No, it was the last. I wrote this in literally, wait, did the album come out this year? I wrote this shit in February. It came out this year. And it came out in April. My album came out in April. So like, I was like, my album's done. I don't need no more songs. I'm good. And um, they were like, if you, they were like, we think we made something special. If you, and I was like, play it over the phone. And if it's good, I'll come. I'll come to the studio and I heard the dunk, 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 but dun, 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 and I was like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> and I came and it took so many rewrites to nail this chorus. And literally, like, well, the, the verses were freestyled, so that was easy, but the chorus took forever because we had all of these like lyrics in there that were just so overly thought and so too niche and too mean and unnecessary and finally i was just like i'm gonna be okay okay all right it's about damn time it used to be about that time and then we were like damn is like cooler so i like wrote this chorus a zillion times so i was like on like version 207 i was like i fucking hate this song (laughs) and then now i just love it because it gets stale, right? You, you, you go over 207 different times and you're trying to nail it. It's like, oh, I hate this thing. I just yeah. can't stand the torture it's putting me through. There's no magic anymore to the song, to like that, that conception of the song. But you know what? Also, when the okay, all right, when I came to, when I had that epiphany, like the producers in the room were like, oh, and there was this kind of like, this still this like magical moment and i was like this is this is the first single isn't it and they were like yes (laughs) you kind of know but that was the moment it clicked you know how many times you hear it was like this dedicated to every boy i hate it was like something like that and i was like "Mm -mm." like keep it simple you hear this all the time. I interview bands and, and songwriters all the time. They go, well, I was done with my album. That's it. And they said, eh, maybe we need one more song. And you're like, nah. And then, and then the best song on the album happens. It's weird like Literally. that, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. really is. Missy Elliott told me that same thing. She was like, you mm. never know when that hit going to come, sis. <laughs> it always comes in the midnight hour. <laughs> oh, and you must be so excited when it comes. And you're like, I can't wait for this album to come out because I know this is going to be big. Yeah, I genuinely, and I'm sorry, but I, I just, 
I, I, I'm really confident in what I do. Like, I'm very good at making music. <laughs> I really am. You know, right. I might not be able to sell it to everybody, but I can make it good. It's quality. You know, it's real instruments. It, it was made in the room. Um, it's classic. And that's how I felt about this album. I was like, I gave you a classic record, you know, the perfect amount of tracks. I chose the creme de la creme of tracks, in my opinion. And right. I am obsessed with it. I love it. I love my album. I'm I like so to hear you say it. that. I like to hear you say that. I think that's, um, you know, it's like, hey, man, I can do this. I know how to write music. I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you kind of need that bravado if you're really going to go in a studio and, 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 and nail it. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't second guess yourself every step of the way. And by the way, this song, there's almost one million TikTok videos made one Ooh. month after About Damn Time came out. Do you know that? I didn't know the number, but yeah. wow. It's crazy. Yeah, people just love it. All right. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. I'll let you go. Don't be nervous, you guys. You got this. It's good. Let me just go over some. This flute is cold. What are you doing? Warming it up? Yeah. Mm-mm. Maybe that was my problem when I played clarinet. It was cold. It was cold. Yeah, it was, it was fucking ice cold. I mean, Jesus, you should have heard what came out. <laughs> no, oh, I like that. All right. All right, you Fuck got it. this. <laughs> Fuck it. How am I forgetting things right now? Let's do All right, it. Let's go. All right. Anyway.
Wow. That, that flute didn't sound doing? cold to me. You did it. <laughs> she got a little About damn now. time. Good song. Hey, you know, I, but before we're done, I want to make sure I ask you about Prince because you knew the dude. You know, when you moved to Minneapolis and, you know, you were getting your life back together and you made a commitment to music, Prince played into it, right? I mean, um, in Minneapolis, there was no one bigger than Prince. Mm-hmm. But what was that story where you were helping him out? He had an all-girl group, and uh, he, you were helping him out with it, and you had never met him. You'd only talked to him on the phone, et cetera. <laughs> but then you somehow ended up at his place, Paisley Park, mm-hmm. and you got to see him do Purple Rain, and you said you were reduced to tears. How did that all come about? Um, so <laughs> it was the girl group. So I was in a girl group as well, girl party. Right. My DJ Sophia Ayers was in it as well. And they, um, there was like this uh, documentary about local artists and uh, Third Eye Girl is Prince's group and um, Girl Party was our group and we were all coming up at the same time and then the radio station there, The Current, I guess he emailed them and they called us and was like, um, Prince is looking for you and we were like, wait, what? And, um, so that was kind of how it all happened. It was like, come to Paisley Park and, um, get on this song, Third Eye Girl song, Boy Trouble and, um, you know, it was a. It, I think it was like Easter Sunday too. <laughs> Everything about him. Is this was so the magical. song. Yes. It was this song? You're on. Prince and Third Eye Girl. But you didn't meet Prince when you recorded this. He just was on the no. phone, right? Yeah. He was at a Liana Lahavis show, Liana Lahavis show, and um, and he was like, "It's good." But you know, my favorite <laughs> thing about that was like, you know, treat it like it's your song. This is your song, and I was like, "Wait, what? I can be myself?" Because it's like you kind of want to be perfect and like be like the audition version of yourself in that right. scenario. But I was like, after he gave me permission to like treat it like it's my song, I was like, "I'm rapping, I'm singing, I'm doing harmonies, I'm gonna scream and squall." Because at the end of it, I go ah! like I squall. I'm like, I'm about to give him everything I know how to do. If I had my flute, I would have played that bitch too. <laughs> right. And um, yeah, I mean, it paid off. Like he. Loved, loved it. it and put it on the album and um paid us in increments of seven <laughs> and um i bought my first laptop and uh after that it was just like every time he wanted us to perform at paisley park we you know went out and performed so we performed what would go on there in other words it's a private thing at paisley park right paisley park's yeah. his home so it's not like you're playing for the public you're right. playing for prince and like what his friends it was like yeah prince and like just like a handful of people it was it is his home but it's very much like it's more than a home like it's like a uh, how do you describe it it's like a mm, i don't want to say willy wonka but it is kind of like a music factory type place you know Mm. and it had this like holiness to it too you walk in and it's like there's like commercial kitchens and commercial bathrooms and there's an airplane hanger 
in there and there's what? like massive sound stages and there's like all of these like <laughs> studios and like his his freaking motorcycle from Purple Rain just sitting on display and like sometimes he would just like sit on it just like to fuck with people and like wow <laughs> like finding Dory or finding Nemo playing like on the projected on the wall and like a giant print symbol just like illuminate on the wall like it was it was more and like his home was obviously like you know upstairs and stuff but like it was like whoa this person lives here and you can't tell like you don't know where you are at any point in the day so and there was why a smaller would, stage and that's where we played a lot why would prince at his at, at this place have finding nemo up on a on a like, a, <laughs> no, like it was his favorite movie <laughs> and um i mean Did i don't want to and I, I also feel like i'm doing a lot i'm talking a lot and i don't like to say too much but right. um i do cherish those memories a lot and um yeah seeing him perform on a piano and just like singing was like it was the last time i saw him and it was beautiful i cried he cried it you cried so because it was so beautiful when he performed what did he do he did purple rain right purple rain he did a bunch of songs oh, <laughs> oh it's so great right you know, he was so weird. I I um I went to see him one night at a small venue. He'd come out with an art book or something. He turned all the lights off. He wouldn't allow anyone to look at him. I left. I said, this is bullshit. I love Prince more than anything. But, but for God's sakes, I went to see him, and he turned all the lights off. You couldn't see him. It was like listening to the radio. Never you know what I mean? You Gemini, don't you? That's a good oh, come classic on, Lizzo. Gemini. <laughs> Lizzo, never, never get so crazy that you perform, you perform without the lights on. I'm sure he's. Looking. I think it's. I don't think it. I don't think that's a destination. I think you're just always that way. You know, like he, <laughs> yeah. he honored himself. You know, and I honor myself. Yeah. It was weird playing there, though. It, 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 yeah. It, well, listen, uh, you weren't even allowed to curse in front of uh, Prince, right? You couldn't eat meat. It was like a oh, whole yeah. thing. Yeah you, yeah, you could not use profanity. Okay. And I actually, I took that mentality into like. Not not cussing, but I was like, I I remember when he passed, I like tweeted this too. I said, I'm going to commit to positive music. I'm dedicated to positive music. And if you think I'm too happy, because that was a that was a criticism I got a lot. They were like, you're too happy. Like, that's corny. I'm like, if you think I'm too happy, there's check yourself. Check right. if you're okay. Because I'm going to spread love and positivity. And that's what Prince really wanted. So I, um, there you go. I'm still doing it to this day, baby. Nothing yeah, but love and good vibes over here. <laughs> how great you got to be friendly with Prince, you know, and you had a moment with him. You were crying with I still him. Don't, I still don't even believe it. <laughs> yeah. I still don't believe it. Lizzo, the song special you're going to do now is uh, from the new album, right? And um, mm -hmm. uh, why, why was this song originally titled In Case Nobody Told You? What was going on there? Why did you change the name? I'm just curious as a songwriter. Um... So I thought in case nobody told you it was fire. <laughs> I thought it was just so <laughs> mysterious and cool. And I was like, and we'll put like a, what is it? Ellipsis on the end of it. Dot, dot, dot. Mm. And I was like, ooh, and we can put it on billboards. And like, I saw the, the branding with it and I thought it was, and I wanted to be this like mysterious cool girl. And then I worked on the song with Max Martin, who, um, ugh, a dream, a dream person to work with. Why? And, because Max Martin has like consistently produced and also like pioneered modern pop music. And I think that that's like, 
very cool to like know that there's someone who's genius level that's still being a genius <laughs> like currently and it was just like i now that's watching the beatles for me i was like what is max martin's process in person like what does he do you know and turns out he's just like a super empathetic like triple pisces like creative human being who's like is this good is this good i don't know is this a, always kind of like tweaking and i love that about him but um so when i finally he's a perfectionist him, he's a perfectionist yes, he is do you fall in love with a guy like that and i don't mean physical love i'm saying do you fall like do like when you meet a guy that you can really you, you musically you're on the same wavelength it's got to be like yes. making love right it feels i have an intimate relationship like it's an intimacy like making music is like uh, uh, choose my words wisely <laughs> Ma making music is a consummation in some way you know so right. i feel like a strong intimacy with the people that i'm able to actually make music with because it feels like a baby like it really does I'm like oh my gosh look what we create we get there's a creation that that's made of you and me and that's really really special and like a rare thing do you ever feel like, I mean, it's just a feeling. Like, I'm so in love with this person. We make beautiful music together. I just want to be in their presence all the time. I want to be with them all the time. And it's almost like frustrating that you can't. You know, it's such a love affair. <laughs> um, some of them get on my nerves. <laughs> oh, they do? All right, good. <laughs> some of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like I also have those music relationships where it's like a marriage where it's just like we can partner really well even though sometimes you get on my nerves and i know i get on your fucking nerves we partner well and we've made really incredible children together and it's like right. let's just let's just co-parent you know so um it's it it there's a spectrum there's a spectrum right right so there are some people song... that i do crave though to be around sorry you do <laughs> I hope yeah, so. And there's a, so. There's people that I'm like, you're my comfort person. I just even I just need you in the studio with me. Like I, you're my like blanket, you know, who's that? That woman who's your DJ? So Sophia, Sophia. I don't know. Her name. Sophia. Sophia is a blanket for me. <laughs> right. She's a comfort person for sure. OK. And and uh, this song that you're going to do next, you say this is all about dealing with backlash, reentering, reentering the world. In other words, is this. After COVID and you've been sort of hibernating because of that situation and then you're coming out with a new album, there's stuff like what is the backlash you're dealing with at this point? Mm. I think like when my profile raised in 2019, like you said, 2020 is like the peak of doing everything. This is when you need to be everywhere. Well, now we live in this digital age where like i was still digitally everywhere social media was heightened more eyes were on me when i was when i would do things and i feel like because more people could find me <laughs> more it lets in more trolls and it lets in more negativity you know when i had a limited amount of people who could find me and they were all fans it was all rainbows and sunshine and then you know you add a few million to you know your reach and then people think they could just say anything to you because you can't see them so that opened me up to a lot of you know mean remarks but also it's like in this day and age you can't really do one thing without someone having like the complete opposite 
like feeling about it you know you can't say something without somebody being like well here's my hot take you can you can't exist with someone being like actually i don't like the way you look you know there's there's always a a hater out there i for the lack of a better word i don't know what else to call it so i just had that effect on people i'm very polar i don't know why but i'm a very divisive polarizing person even though i'm like the nicest guy (laughs) um, don't don't read that stuff i mean why put yourself through it because i believe many good artists will be ruined by listening to the public and getting these negative comments because you start to change your who you are to try to please them i i would say just don't deal with it let somebody else deal with that shit yes but i do love i no one handles my social media it's just me and i think i guess that's rare because people are like who does your social media who does your tiktoks i'm like me bitch like i don't know anybody else so unfortunately like the thing that i love to do also exposes me to a lot of like negative i've gotten to a good place where i only read the first like few (laughs) comments on tiktok right and i (laughs) on twitter i scroll and scroll i don't read comments on instagram at all (laughs) so i'm telling you that's now yeah, I mean, I, I read negative shit about me and it makes me, it affects me and I just won't go through it. I don't want to do it. I don't deal with it. I just don't. I, I don't. Yeah. I, anyway, the song is called Special. So was this your way of saying, hey, I'm special. Fuck all the backlash. Fuck all the haters. All this kind of thing. Well, I've noticed this amazing thing about my life where I've written songs that I can use in real time to kind of like um, speak good into my life and manifest good in my life and i remember back when i was a rapper i would rap about things like oh my god i'm broke and i'm i've been drinking and i'm tired and i'm like okay and in my real life i had no money and i was drinking a lot and i was tired and i'm like let me start thinking about my life how i want it to be like a lot of because i love you was like uh, me aspiring me like who i wanted to be next year and so when i'm on stage there's literally times where i will sing good as hell and i'll start crying because i'm like or i was crying earlier or uh, yeah i cried right before that song and i'm like come now come dry your eyes you know you a star you can touch the sky and i'm like oh my god bitch i really write this shit for me and every <laughs> night on stage was special like it was why if i had like wild backlash the day before you know or like i got a lot of backlash for playing the crystal flute that i never really understood because i didn't read the comments i just knew that i was trending and i was like what the fuck is happening but the next day i got on stage and i was singing special and i was just like so emotional and i just started like bawling it's like i write these songs because i know that i'm going to sing them over and over and over and they're going to be meaningful to me and helpful to me and they're going to be suits of armor you got shit for playing the glass flute that James Madison owned or something that that's what you're referring to. Someone gave you shit for that. Not someone. A lot of ones. <laughs> what, what was the I mean, I can't imagine. Why is that a bad thing? To me, I still for me, like you said, don't read it. I didn't really read what people's anger was about. I've only heard people being like a lot of people have a problem with Lizzo playing. the. And I was like, I don't know what the problem is, but. I'm just playing a flute. The Library of Congress is a was it, really was it a was it a racial thing? I don't know. To this day, oh, I don't wow. know. I do know that be, it became a bipartisan issue. Poor you. Politicize this. Oh my God! Playing the flute is a problem. All right. So you, this song really is you reminding yourself about being special. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Because yeah. I am. All right. I'll shut up. <laughs>
and it's for anyone else who needs to sing it to remind themselves that they're special. Your Amazing. ass off early in the morning. This is beautiful. Shout out my vocal coach. <laughs> and you're all over the place. You're going you're to be uh, the special musical guest on Saturday Night Live. Yes. And then you were just doing the Jingle Ball. You were at the Jingle Ball in New York. Now you're back in L.A. Then you're coming back out for Saturday Night Live. Do these guys provide a private jet, I hope? You're not flying commercial, are you? I am flying commercial. <laughs> you are? Wait I a love second. The Earth. Lizzo. Lizzo, wait a second. When you when Saturday Night Live wants you to fly in special for this Saturday night and you're out in L.A., they're not going to fly you in on a private jet? I don't know. Even if they did offer it, I, I like flying commercial. <laughs> Why? You feel it's safer? Well, I don't know about safety. <laughs> I just feel like... <laughs> 
don't know. I just, it's about the earth. It's just about being conscious. I'm kind of. Oh, I see. Environmentally. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, environmentally. that shit, man. I mean, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, a said? private jet is, is cool. <laughs> What'd you say, yeah. Robin? He said, fuck that. <laughs> well, when you I said the earth. <laughs> Let me tell the you earth. something. Like, a private, <laughs> private jets are cool. And I've, I've flown on them. And they can be very convenient. And there's been times where I was really sick. And there were no flights available. And I had to be one place to the next. And they do come in handy. But, you know, I've been flying commercial. You know, if... Because I I can you know, but if well, I have to get on a PJ, I'll get on a PJ. But right, right now, I don't they know you're special? For God's sake! Well, listen, <laughs> her album special. That's why I'm Lizzo. first class. <laughs> Lizzo has received six nominations: Record of the Year, Album of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Pop Solo Performance, Best Pop Vocal Album, Songwriter of the Year, Non Classical, and 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 Lizzo. This guy, Mike, who is featured in your um, uh, documentary, this seems to be your love interest. I don't know how I feel about this guy based on what I saw. What's the deal? Are you in love with this guy? Are you out of love with this guy? Where is your romantic life right now so men out there know whether they should waste their time going after you? Oh, listen, don't waste your time, honey. I am very uh -oh. much in love and with Mike. With Mike, absolutely. A hundred percent. I don't understand the relationship. Mike, it seems, sometimes would be with you, then he would leave you, then or you would leave him, and then you come back. In other words, it seems very on again, off again. Is it? Is this the yeah. real deal now, and what was going on in the past? So in the past, we were friends. Right. We were friends, and um, friends with feelings. So, like, I f did not have... <sighs> How do I say this? How do I say this in the best way so don't nobody say nothing about it? Like, I had a lot of shit to do. And I was still very much in my I feel unlovable place. And I still was very much not where I wanted to be career wise. And I have always, since I was like a teenager, put my career, like I said earlier, in front of any relationship, any person. So even if a person came around that I was googly gaga about, I had these wild defenses up that made it almost impossible for a true intimate relationship to occur. It was all very surface, but the, with anyone, um, with him, it was different because if you love something and you let it, you let it go. And if it's meant to be, it comes back to you and we both let it go because we both had a lot going on in our lives. Um, and then when the time was right, we came together and we just recently were like, oh, we together. We this is official because I'm very for I'm very like traditional about certain things like we need to have the talk. It needs to be like discussed. And um, anything before that is just. We just in the playing field, you know, but we're not playing any games with each other anymore. We're very much locked in. You will marry Mike, do you believe, and have children with Mike? There's nobody else I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mean when you were co-hosting that show on MTV with Mike, you were just friends. There was no romance. We were just friends. And were you like, man, I want to I wanna do something to this guy, but... Yeah, I better not. No. Um, it was more like, why do we want to talk to each other all night? Like, why are we so mm -hmm. close? It was like an intimacy in that way that I think as a 
Venus and Gemini, it's all about this for me. This really stimulates me. And we could just talk. And even in the documentary, I was like, we can talk about things I can't talk about with anyone else. Like, our relationship was like 99% talking. We would talk for like eight hours, like seven, eight hours with each other. You're really into astrology. If, if, if a guy's not, if a guy's uh, a Venus, Gemini, in other words, that matters to you. You, you, you believe in that. Yeah. You do? Well, here's the because, thing. Uh, I- what? What? What are you I, gonna say? I watched you on the. Uh, I forget that kid's name. I, I don't. You, you believe it? I don't. The guy who contacts the dead and he contacted your father and you're sitting there. Oh yeah. Well, oh, come on. You were giving him so much information, that kid. That uh, if you watch that back, you don't believe that he could really talk to your father. Do you really believe that? Oh, that's so funny that you said that because. I think that was the editing that made it look that way. Um, he, he genuinely <laughs> was really? hooping and gagging me. Yes. Like, he said things about, like, my mom where he was like, I see you. It was like putting her on a plane and putting her back to where, where she's from. And I was literally like, I've been trying to get my mom to go back to Detroit to, like, see her family, you know, because, like, a lot of our family was getting sick and, like, passing away. So um, the fact that he said that, I was like, that's wild. He also said some other really interesting things that no one else would ever know. Like, you couldn't even look it up on the Internet, you know. He was like I solving just, Lizzo, mysteries. I just don't believe the, the guy who looks like the kid from Home Alone is uh, able to contact the dad. <laughs> First I just of all, don't Macaulay buy Culkin is his name, and he's my friend. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, I'll tell you this. I do fully subscribe to mediumship. I have had wild revelations with mediums like things that you just would absolutely not believe really be careful be careful with those mediums i'm telling you well i don't don't really seek them out i feel like they i've only dealt with three the the hollywood medium on television tyler henry and then i've had two that have come to me in mysterious ways and um one of them called me I know this is going to sound, should I even tell this story? Uh, oh. oh, well. One of them called me and it was like June 2019, June 2019. And she was like, congratulations. And I was like, what? And she was like, congratulations. You're getting a Grammy. Said this to me. And I promise you. And I was like, I was like, thanks, girl. And she was like, no, because, you know, I'm a skeptic, too. She's like, no, I see it. I've been told it. You're getting a Grammy. And I was like, great. And then she was like, there's another artist that you're up against. And um, and she's like really good. And I was like, oh, really? And I was like, who is she? And she was like, I don't know. Her name starts with a B. And I was like, Beyonce? Mm. And she was like, not Beyonce. And then fast forward, January 2020, I did win a Grammy. And I was with Billie Eilish. And I, when I realized it, I was like, oh, that's the B artist that she didn't know at the time. Like, I've had wild things like that happen to me that I'm like, girl, who are you talking to? Because <laughs> wow. you better be talking to God. <laughs> now, let me ask you this final question. When you're okay. with a guy who's always been your friend and then all of a sudden it turns to love. That big moment when the two of you get physical. Was it everything you imagined it would be? Or did it almost ruin the relationship? And how nervous were you when Mike and you finally consummate the relationship? I was, aw, I wish he was here. Um, I was really excited and like 
confident because it had literally been like years of us knowing each other and having so much like sexual tension and it was a very emotional night when it happened and um it didn't ruin anything it did make me like go oh my gosh like this is and he was like i just i just like you so much and then we it was googly eyes all over the place it's still googly eyes with us like nothing has gotten old like we're 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 google fest 2023 <laughs> well i'm happy for you no not so the listen. company googly eye fest <laughs> google fest yes oh, uh, God, don't give it to google <laughs> lizzo yeah, i want to you thank your really band google I want to thank uh, Mish, Zuri, and Jordan uh, for being with you today. I also want to say I've never seen a hotter Marine than uh, Zuri. I'll tell you that. Uh, let me tell you, she's she's got it going on. I, I now think, you're trying to picture my, her my in the uniform and everything, right? Uh, forget the uniform. Uh, hey, just my feeling. Uh, I, I like her. I like her very much. I like all of you very much. Lizzo, alive uh, in where? Where'd she go? She ran out of the room. She ran. She had a mission. She just scared her out of here. (laughs) Hey, by the way, your sister's a songwriter. Is that a bad thing? It's got to be bad because it sets up sibling rivalry. Wouldn't you prefer your sister not be in the business, Lizzo? Go ahead. Comment on that. (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa, who I love. How did you know she was a songwriter? I know. I know all about her. I used to go out with her. You don't even oh, know. No that. way. Yeah. Listen, yeah she's yeah. single, everybody. Um, I, I know I'm proud of her. I think like the the genre in which she wants to be a writer, like she's super in like she's in a lot of like K-pop rooms and works with a lot of like, K-pop artists. And I think yeah. that's really, really cool. And um, I'm proud of her. Like I want to see us, you know, at the song at the BMI Awards together, the ASCAP Awards together. You know, no sibling rivalry. Like, uh, Absolutely oh, God. not. I don't got no rivalry with nobody because, you know, I tell what? you, I, come on, I've done Lizzo. it. Lizzo. No, I, I promise you, I used to. I've done it. I used to have I've done it in ra- Lizzo. I've done it in radio and I still don't want a brother or sister who is in radio. I want all the attention <laughs> for myself. I, I don't really? want to share the spotlight with my mom. No way. Uh, come on. I, I just believe in what I do is very unique. You can't get it nowhere else. This is the only place you can get this sauce. <laughs> But you say you used well, to be, you used to have uh, rivalries and and think absolutely. that way. But I don't know how you got out of that. But that that's fantastic. I mean, um, uh, personal th- success. When okay. when I when you when you've achieved the level of success that you've defined, then everything else is like, oh, congratulations, good for you. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. You know. Right. Okay. Uh, by the way, I also want to thank Sasha Flute. Who never leaves yes. her house for under twenty thousand dollars, and she came here today, <laughs> Sasha Flute. Thank you, Howard. As uh, Lizzo, I'm a grower. Sasha's not a talking. Oh, that's Sasha. Oh, hi, Sasha. I never I'm spoke a to a grower, flute. not a shower. <laughs> uh, Lizzo live in concert streams December thirty first on HBO Max. Lizzo's documentary Love Lizzo is now airing on HBO Max. Here, Lizzo on Sirius XM hits one and Venus three hundred three. She's, uh, I'm no psychic, but I think she's going to win another Grammy. What do I know? That's what I think. I, I think you got them all beat. One, yes. of the, one of the most amazing experiences of my life was listening to a Lizzo concert that was going live over the air. And I think it had to be serious. Did you do a live concert for Sirius? Oh, I probably definitely have. <laughs> yeah, and I caught that that evening, and I was dr- taking a long drive. And you talk about being wrapped in a blanket. That's what you do to your audience. 
because the way you talk, first of all, you know, you're a great performer and a great singer and a great songwriter, but the relationship and the information you want to transmit to your audience and they're, they're hungry for it. Mm-hmm. And you just give and give and give in every way during during that concert. I just really got who you are as a human being. And I'm not surprised Aww. about all the positive things you have to say. And the the second thing is your um, influence on fashion. Oh, giddy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I just wanted to plug my brand. Sorry. By the way, uh, yeah, Robin, I thought that is I thought, an amazing and amazing Robin, accomplishment, and congratulations uh, to you. Robin, you. can you only compliment me and not the and not live, hopefully <laughs> say something nice you about me? I appreciate you, I appreciate you, and you know it's really just because like we're in a I I don't give a fuck era, and I and I do I I care a lot, and I do give a fuck, and I think that just it shows. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, no, that. that was a because that's exactly what we're used to hearing, and and you were like women. This is this is what's real. This is what's going on. And this is how, you know, you ought to be handling yourself. It was it was amazing. It was just like, yes, that's what people need to hear. Lizzo, oh, you. Your voice is so cool. Yes. Well, thank you. It's not as cool Lizzo, as yours. <laughs> Lizzo, uh, you're the coolest. Howard, for we're being busy. Here. <laughs> I know. I hear. Hey, 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 Lizzo, seriously, thanks to you and your band, and thanks for coming here today. I know it was early in the morning, but I really, uh, I just uh, love your new album, love your old album, and I uh, and I recommend the, uh, I think the uh, documentary on HBO Max is a lot of fun to watch. So there she is, Lizzo, and thank you, and thanks for getting thank up early. You. All right, well, Lizzo, Thank everybody. you for coming. Thank you. <laughs> there she goes, Lizzo. She's probably exhausted. Let me see. Let me check myself. This out. is early, early, early for musicians. I look like shit too. I just saw myself what? on the on the camera because, you know, not only did I have this thing taken off my nose that hasn't healed yet, but then I got a pimple at the end of my nose because I was putting Vaseline on my nose for the oh, for, for the, your uh, thing that got removed. Yeah. I got the thing removed. The guy says, put Vaseline on your nose for two weeks. So now my pores are clogged up and I'm breaking out <laughs> of my nose and I can't really properly wash it because i don't want to hurt the thing on my nose i mean it's just everything's a mess and i i didn't look real good for lizzo but hey what can i tell you very sorry but uh hey what a talent and we'll Uh, see you tomorrow right robin that's it yes we'll come back tomorrow even though that was amazing and don't forget wednesday holly weird squares on wednesday for those of you who are fans of holly weird squares we'll be back that's right bye